kind of been our big setback. We, we've uh, had to go a little bit more guerrilla style with the podcast over the past year, but uh, you know, technical setbacks. We don't have a producer. We're our own producers, and we uh, As we do we. it. We do it, and uh, yeah, exactly. You, is you this get the it. Same road uh, switcher you had last time, or the recorder? Yes, it is. Yeah, that's nice, man. It yeah. looks really, really high quality. I'm looking at this box that has a whole bunch of colors and like lights and like you know doodly bobs. Yeah. It looks like it looks like it came out of like a Star Wars like Death Destroyer. Hell yeah! You know? Every time it. I see tech like this, it makes me think of like adult toys. Yes, like, it looks like an adult like. Simon says, honestly, oh, that's kind of how it felt buying it. Oh no, 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 no! I, no as soon as I said that, I realized I was like, oh, wait, you can't say adult and toy in the same sentence. <laughs> it reminds me of one time when my dad—it was like take your kid to work day. He works in construction. I was like four, and I remember seeing just like a whole panel of like green and orange buttons, and like so excited, start pressing them, and he was like, stop, stop, and then something starts spilling. I don't remember exactly what it was. But I caused damage, and we had to leave. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. I, and then I peed my pants because I found the water cooler, and I was like, this is fascinating. Paper cups. Uh, and then I got a new dinosaur shirt out of it. So that's my story. What's up? What's happening? <laughs> that's how we roll into the show, boys. <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. It's another episode of DMT. Don't miss this podcast. Let's get into it. Yes. Today, we welcome back the young creatives, Riley Mobs and Juan Gomez. We had them on about a year ago, a little bit less. Yeah, it doesn't feel less. like it, though. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we were just flying in Denver, and we decided we didn't. We just couldn't miss this. We just couldn't miss this. <laughs> no, seriously, like, you guys are the first people I hit up when I'm, like, going to Denver. Like, or at least the first people I think about, for sure. So, Oh, that feels like an honor. Yeah, man. Oh, I'm flattered. I mean, this is... Uh, this is everything I wanted because, you know, you guys came last year and we had such a, like, a great, inspiring conversation, super cool. And then you kind of go and a year goes by, but like you said, it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Sam tells me, you know, Riley hit us up. They want to come back on. I'm like, oh my gosh, I think we're doing something right over here. Like, yeah, this is man. sick. Oh, yeah, bro. <laughs> we've, done, we've done so many podcasts. So, like, I hate to say, like, put our egos out there or anything, but, like, if we like your podcast, you're doing something right. That's... We watch them, we listen to them, we're on them. Like, mm-hmm. we, we do all that, so we love podcasts. Even if we didn't know you guys, we'd probably still be like, man, like, the DMT podcast is dope. <laughs> We're biased, of course, because we course. fuck you guys, but like, but, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, no, this is, this is exciting. It's an honor to have you guys back on. Been tracking with you guys on social media and stuff. As You, you guys are killing it this year. It's uh, It's been exciting to see. Super exciting. Yeah, you guys as well. You guys are just really good hosts, too. I feel like that's one of the things I remember about podcasters is, like, not the podcast itself, but, like, how are you guys... After the microphones were off, mm. and you guys were chill, you know, like we had a really good time. You know, we were out the garage, you know, passing the joint around, like talking about aliens and stuff. Yeah, that's good. It was good. Well, I mean, yeah. we did like a whole podcast before we even hit record, you know. So I mean, shit, it, we almost did on the in the car ride, yeah. pretty much about oh, movies yeah. and stuff. And like, I definitely want to retouch on some of that stuff we talked of about. Course. <laughs> of course, definitely, because we we. I don't know. I, we haven't had guests in a, in a minute. Like we had our, our first original guest on a couple weeks ago, and uh, we we just got it back to getting in the swing of things like this. Cool. So for you guys to hit us up and just come back on, I'm like hell fucking yes. Let's yeah. get into it, dude. Definitely. We have a habit of telling people that we're gonna be on their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but you it's know, like, it's one of those things where we're like, okay, well, we're gonna we want to go on tour. We want to travel. We want to meet. You know, new people, but then also like you know, keep those relationships that we already have. Because oh, I, yeah. 
a lot of people have this like perception that the world's this big place. I don't. I've refused to believe it. Like, I think if you believe the world's a big place, you make excuses for not doing things before you die. But if you make it a small place, then there's no reason you can't do everything. You know? Right. Meet everybody. Welcome to the dance floor, boys. Thanks, Don Cheadle. Every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Go actor though. W actor. Oh yeah, Denver East graduate. You know? Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, high Came school? out of here. Yeah. Wow. So he's from here. Like he's not, from he's here. College. Okay. Yeah. Cool. No, he's from here. Man, the range of that guy, though. I know. <laughs> Holy shit. And that's the funny thing about that sound drop in particular was uh, Jack and I remember vividly back in like 2015 when Age of Ultron was about to come out. Mm. There was like TV spots, and it had him saying, "Welcome to the dance floor, boys." And uh, let me just pull it up again. Play it. Uh, is it on here, Jack? Uh, it might not be. Might not be. Fuck. Either way. But, like, we, it wasn't in the movie. Like, they just didn't have it in the movie, and we couldn't find it, couldn't find it, couldn't find it. And I spent, like, an hour one day just going through, like, Reddit and everything. I'm like, welcome to the dance floor, boys. Welcome to the dance floor, You Mandela affect yourself. Basically. (laughs) But I found it. It was one Facebook post from back in 2015 of a TV spot that they had, and I just clipped it and put it on here. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Yeah, we uh, oh, yeah. we wrapped that line more than the Avengers did. So yes, <laughs> nice little fact. We have Don Cheadle. Uh, we're your biggest fans. Oh yeah, yeah. And and to be able to do a movie like Hotel Rwanda, and then to switch to like the Marvel universe, kind of more funny stuff he's doing. Like that's bro, it's amazing. Oh yeah, well, he still hasn't seen Hotel Rwanda. I still haven't seen Hotel. You haven't Rwanda. seen it. You've seen it, right? It's a great movie. Oh, Fuck, unbelievable. Man. Yeah, I, I have actually family members that are African that were from certain parts of like. Wow. Like that genocide, like they yeah. actually fled. We have, you know, obviously we have lots of like Africans in America, but like that have fled from like, you know, uh, genocide and like stuff like that, refugee type situations. But in Iowa specifically at my high school, we had like our entire track team, like our cross country runners were like refugee, like, you know, traveled here to like, you know, escape the war. And a lot of their family members had that exact like, you know, um, the Tutsi Hutu kind of dilemma where yeah. they like the, the colonials kind of pinned Africans against each other by giving them these ideas of which... Like, oh, you look this way, then you're that kind of person. And, uh, and it literally, you know, had like a whole war. But like, it's so crazy to think that he was in that movie. And then 10 years later, he's doing like comedy and. Right. Yeah. Like Black Cra- cool. or well, Black Monday. His greatest yeah. role in the history of film. Maybe the greatest role in the history of film is him in Space Jam 2 as Algie Rhythm. Algie <laughs> Rhythm. <laughs> what are we even talking about here? Uh, I do respect Don Cheadle, too, because like he strikes me as like a real thespian. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. that's an actor for sure. And he's probably been in the most Marvel movies. I mean, like, think he's been there since Iron Man two. He maybe not the most, but he keeps coming back. No, Thirteen what's years guy, later, what's the guy who's the producer technically. He's oh, been in the most of them. That's fair. Oh that's yeah, Iron well. Man one. Uh, he, what's his name in uh, Spider Man? He plays the guy who's trying to get with Aunt May. I forget his name. Uh, oh, oh, John Favreau. John Favreau. Favreau. Happy Hogan. Favreau. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, he's. I guess I, I watched a video where it's like he. I guess we owe the Marvel universe to him mm-hmm. because he was the one who pushed heavy for like the Daredevil movie and like Iron Man and stuff like that. And then, you know, you know, Daredevil didn't do well or like they didn't, right, really, right. we didn't really like those first Marvel movies, but like, he was like, no, I promise. Like keep going. Keep making so, these. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look at him now. He's fucking running star Wars. <laughs> you know, Mandalorian just started like Oof. what, two days ago. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. But oh. I, mean, I haven't seen it yet either. Like it's the, first season. the hype, you know, the, the first 30 seconds, of first two line. seasons. And then, <laughs> I felt like it was kind of a cop out. They snuck in three episodes of Mandalorian into the last three episodes of Boba Fett. 
Really? <laughs> Literally, there's two episodes, solo episodes, just about Mando in Boba Fett. Boba Fett's in maybe two scenes in those episodes. And I'm like, what? wait, what? And then I'm like, how are people going to react when they didn't watch Boba Fett and then season three starts and they're like, wait, I thought he gave away Grogu to Luke Skywalker. What the fuck happened? It's like, well, you got to watch the other show. They kind of forced you to. <laughs> but I I loved Boba Fett. A lot of people shit on it, but I mean, we talked about it on the ride over. A lot of, Everyone's a critic now and people just hate shit to hate it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even if it's like, sure, like Boba Fett wasn't like as spectacular as everyone hoped it to be, like because Boba Fett's such an iconic character, they expected yeah. it to be like John Wick, you yeah, know, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it wound up being like, no. What if he was like trying to be more of a Zen, you know, pragmatic, yeah. political character? And I liked that. I found that would be a very interesting take on his character. Yeah. A lot of people were just like, "What the fuck is this?" Although John Wick in space seems pretty cool. I, I mean, it does. Seem pretty cool. <laughs> Why not? Go for it. Go for it. If there's anyone that deserves to be in space, it's fucking Keanu Reeves. Yes. I yeah. Feel like we should send to space. Has he ever done a sci-fi space? Oh, sci-fi. Well, yes. Matrix but, um, and like Bill and Ted. Movie, <laughs> Bill know? and Ted. I did. I should make a dead space movie. Oh, a dead space movie. Ooh, yeah. Boy. I, I was gonna say, uh, going back to Keanu Reeves, I did not like him in Matrix Four just because. I feel like his character design was literally John Wick. He's like, why, like, what yeah. is John Wick doing in Matrix Four? And then the fight scenes were just not as impressive as the first. I was gonna, movies. I was gonna say this, the fight stuff. Have you guys ever watched uh, the series on Screen Rant pitch meetings? No. So it's this comedian Ryan George, and he's playing both characters, and he's a scriptwriter guy and producer guy, and he's pitching just our, the movies that we have. But you know, basically, it's just poking fun at you know the concepts where if you just lay it out flat on paper it's fucking absurd <laughs> but i watched the one for matrix 4 and i'm like i'm not watching matrix 4 because there's no like he just has like the force apparently yeah, he just pushes people and doesn't like fight there's no kung fu there's no gun fu that the whole series is famous for yeah and i'm like so they did like a like terminator dark fate where it's like let's just do terminator 2 again kill john connor and replace it all with women and call it a new thing yeah. It's not, you know, so I think that's what they did with Matrix 4 was let's do the Matrix again, retool it, and now Trinity is the one, you know, yeah. and like, uh, and we, and we talked about that too, like how like it seems like is, is it that filmmakers are getting lazier or fans are getting more picky and there's less things that we can take risks on as creators because, yeah. you know, like what's going to sell like King Kong 2 mm-hmm. or like this, you know, original film about an ape who's mm. off in the, you know, it's like, Oh, well, mm-hmm. I don't know anything about that. Like I don't have any nostalgia linked to that. So uh, shitting on it. Right. Yeah. And sometimes I hate, I don't like to judge people cause I don't think that you have to be a savant to say whether a movie is good or bad. I don't, I think you're a consumer and if you didn't like the movie and a lot of people didn't like the movie, it's probably a bad movie. Yeah. Totally. Like, you know, um, I don't think you have to be a savant, but I do think that when you try to be a savant, that's when those opinions, like mm-hmm. if I don't like a movie, I don't make like a Facebook post shitting on it. Well, yeah. I just say, eh, it wasn't for me. Also, like, there uh, are a million of those Facebook posts, and all of them have their specific lists of demands. Yeah. And there's no way that you can please everybody. I mean, that's why we're artists, because yeah. we have our vision, our truth, what we want to speak to the world, and we're not trying to please everybody. No, you can't. That, yeah, you literally can't. You literally cannot. There's someone out there that doesn't like the movie Titanic. And Yes, yeah. of course. <laughs> you know, there are people who hated Avatar 2. 
There's people who think that Star like I literally Star Wars, yes. Like I have friends to this day that literally say like, no, anime is stupid. Not just like it's I don't like it, it's not my thing. Like you have to literally call it stupid. It's like you're talking about like the entertainment of a whole culture. Put it in a box, throw that box away. And it's like, what if I did that to you? Yeah, right. What you you like like it. So I would just like as a filmmaker, you know, someone who's like, you know, I'm sensitive on my art, but I also can take criticism. I would just like like you to like, you know, digest your take for a while. Mm-hmm. Like sit with the fucking movie. Like people are telling t- they don't like it before like two episodes are done. Yeah, right. right. Like, well, what the fuck? And like, wh- why do you need that take? You know what I mean? Why can't I have a theory on why they need that take? Because in a world where digital currency is the way that everyone's validated, true. I need to say something about the thing that everyone's talking about, so then people can know how I feel about right, it. Right, right. But it's like we don't really give a fuck how you feel about it. To be mm-hmm. honest, to be fair, I only care if I like it and if people around me like it, and if they don't, I still like it. Mm-hmm. Like, totally. I've never had one of my friends say they don't like something that I like, and now I don't like it because they don't like it. Exactly. But there's so many people that won't watch a movie if they already see, like, bad reviews about it. Right. Well, and it's interesting, to be, uh, like, we're experiencing this now because, like, we, we talk about Marvel movies way too much on here, but, like, we grew up with them. Iron Man Bro, came out when we were in sixth grade. My first yeah. profession. Like, I like, actually cried when I realized I couldn't be Spider-Man. Right. Dude. <laughs> my mom had a fucking one-on-one with me. Like, she mm-hmm. seriously had to sit me down and be like... You're jumping off shit. You're, <laughs> this, this is not going to This is going to go too far. Yeah. You got to stop. <laughs> Why they like, on field trips, like running off. Uh-huh. Like an Indian Creek Nature Center, like running off, like field trips, doing things in the classroom I shouldn't have been doing. Like, I was obsessed. <laughs> I dabbled in parkour for a minute because I wanted to be <laughs> Spider-Man. I wanted to be Spider-Man, and I'm like, this is the closest thing you can get, so parkour. Oh and uh, I took one spill and was like, yep, just like skateboarding. That's that's not for me. <laughs> yeah, I remember telling my dad in the car once when I was 12, I was like, Dad, my friend told me that there's this school in Paris, France, where they teach you how to do parkour, and by the end of it, you can run up walls. <laughs> I was like, it's only like $3,000 a week or something. Can we do it? <laughs> and I was, that's how I was like, yes, parkour. It's, it's obviously it's attainable, and we can walk up walls. You know, like We had a chemistry teacher in high school who, um, you know, he's cool. He's like a younger kind of science teacher. Fine as chemistry and physics, so it's like the two things I'm least interested in. And he did parkour, tried out for America Ninja Warrior, and didn't make it, but um, wanted us to watch his audition tape a lot. Uh, it was that kind of attitude of like, look how cool I am. Yeah, I do yeah, parkour, yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, he he showed us his like parkour reel. And it was set to uh, The Unforgiven by Metallica. You know, like, it started off slow motion like a train in black and white and everything. Oh, faded to color. Like, he had production value on this thing, man. And I was, it's, as he brought him up, it just dawned on me that I'm like, yeah, that guy was the deciding factor of whether I graduated or not. You know? <laughs> like, it was like, all hinging like my on my video? final with him and his class if I would pass or fail high school in general. Oh, and <laughs> it just dawned on me. I'm like, yeah, that, that, that parkour guy, he's the one I, reason I graduated. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, chemistry class, this is, like, off topic as hell, but, like, <laughs> I actually had, like, a scandal happen with my chemistry teacher. Oh, damn. Yeah, it, it was, it, it's published now, so I can talk about it. Okay. Uh, her name is her name, her Miss Adams. Um, so she like, so, uh, so we had like a hockey, uh, team that would go to school there. Like, but every year it'd be like different kids from different states. Cause they're all just come here to play like this at this hockey, mm-hmm. uh, team, the Rough Riders, Cedar Rapids Rough Riders. Right. So she was known for like being really close with the hockey players. Cause oh, she no. like did stuff at the stadium and, uh, like over the week, over this weekend, like this past weekend or whatever, like, uh, it was like before homecoming or something. Uh, this dude named Dennis, who was like one of the lead like scores for the hockey team or whatever. 
He ended up having sex with her. Of course. Now, rock on. Miss Adams isn't isn't attractive. <laughs> yes. I was gonna say. <laughs> I'm like, gonna say this the nice way. As a like twenty, you know, twenty seven year old to a sixty year old woman, like mm-hmm. she wasn't attractive then. Sure. <laughs> She wasn't. She's not attractive now. Yeah. And so everyone was saying it politely would be calling her a handsome woman. Yeah, yeah. There we go. She's a very handsome woman. And 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 this motherfucker literally, like, we we were just like, bro, ew, why? Like, right. he was bragging, and we were just like, oh. Mm. But we were in chemistry class like the next Monday, and she gets sent, to, like, she gets called to the office. Uh-huh. She's like, like the principal's like yeah. Miss Adams, Miss Adams, to the principal's <laughs> office, and then we're all no, we were like that, but we were just like. We know exactly what this shit's about. You know? <laughs> she left. Bro, she was gone. We all changed our grades. Because we knew she wasn't coming back, dude. We right. knew that there's there's no way in hell they're going to come out of the office and be like, hey, you had sex with a student, but go back to your uh, room of students. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, absolutely not. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah, bro. But I was modest, though. I had like a C minus, change it to like a B. Sure. No, you got to keep it realistic. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, I'm an honest thief. That's right. That's- <laughs> <laughs> wow, so she was working. I would believe that shit if I had an A plus. Wow, so she was working on a different kind of chemistry. <laughs> That's uh, comedy podcast material right there, I'm telling you. Uh, but going back to Marvel movies and critics and all that stuff, like yeah. we grew up with that. So, like, we, it's almost like it, it, in a weird way, it's like family, like Iron Man, Captain oh, America. We that, that was our group in high school. We like personified ourselves as those characters, all that. And those movies, I mean, for a while, you look on IMDb, the worst one at a 6.8, right? So yeah. if we're looking at letter grades, it's like a D plus. Everything else is at least a C, which for like commercial, you know, manufactured movies, yeah. it's pretty good. Like, you know, yeah. Transformers yeah. ain't doing that. You know what no, I mean? No, no. And now we've kind of crossed that threshold, post-Avengers, whatever, where we're, we're hitting some rocky roads, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm getting to this place where like, you know, people... Yeah, and and, and, I'm, and people are telling me like, ah, oh, man, I don't think I can like watch Marvel movies in the theater anymore. Like, ah, oh, I'm not into this. And I, I sit there, I'm like, I get it, right? Versus, me, but I watch them, I enjoy them, I love them. You know, it's hard for me to find a reason to dislike one of those movies just because I, I, I always say it's like an event, it's something. Yeah. But I understand where they're coming from. I can see how the like manufactured version, but I'm also like. I like them, and I yeah. I care what you think, but like I don't really care, you know. Like yeah, I, yeah. and as a creator, you have to have that in spades. You have to have faith that what you're doing. I always try and avoid the word good or anything like that because that's for yeah. you to figure out. And everybody, there's so many. Hopefully, everybody will see it. And if everybody's yeah. seen it, there's gonna be a billion, eight billion opinions. Yeah, right? you have to make stuff that you like. Exactly. You know, like exactly. if you're sitting here like trying to make stuff that other people like, and I'm not gonna lie, like as a musician, that's like the number one thing I have a hard time with because you know I'll listen to music or I'll see like certain artists do stuff, and I'm like, wow, they got really successful doing that, and it, it's tempting. Like as a businessman, right. which I am most of the time, it's very tempting for me to be like, oh, let me make a song about this subject matter, and then like I can maybe have this artist on it, and it'll do good in this type of community. It's like, I'm already manufacturing how someone should like the song, how they should play. Like, this isn't art. This is just like product placement. Like, it's like creating a product instead of like creating art. Yeah, and it's one of those things uh, that if you're not in it, you don't understand it. Mm-hmm. You, know? you can't and, really explain it to someone who's not in it. Right. So I, you've you've made me laugh a few times with your TikToks being like, you know, <laughs> someone like wanting to hire you for a job and then just being like, well, I, that should be like 50 bucks, right? And you're just like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Do you not understand what goes into this? Yeah, like, And yeah, they don't. They don't understand they don't. it. And so, like, for people to just be like, oh, the Hollywood elite, these liberal yuppies, they don't do work or anything like that. It's like, dude, just because you don't do the work, yeah. it's 
fucking hard work, you know, mental creativity and putting stuff on paper and taking something out of here and putting it out there is so fucking hard. Mm -hmm. And non-creative people just don't understand it. They're just like, Oh, these people just show up and they're all pretty and everything. And it's like, fucking no dude. Like you just don't. Yeah. Um, going back to the, uh, why Marvel movies maybe aren't doing as well as they are. I feel like I'm not like too much into Marvel movies. So this is just my opinion. Take it with a grain of salt. But I, I personally feel like, Marvel movies were always meant to push the envelope and to and, uh, innovate, you know, with like flying characters, special effects, CGI. And I feel like now, like, there's it's 2023 and they're still using like blue screen technology and the same mm. effects that they've, they've been using for the last 15 years. Mm. Like, what else are they going to do differently to wow us? Yeah, I mean, and I like, feel they're, like they hit they're that Disney. Plateau. They're Disney, so they should be able to use the volume yeah. like they use for Star Wars, you know? Yeah. Like, create that virtual yeah. set. Yeah. Well, they've created, I think, I think the number one thing is because I'm, I'm like a, superhero nerd man like i'm like i'm i'm on another level like i'll be thinking of superheroes when i'm like on a date with a girl like if, I, <laughs> like if, if the date feels like problem. something i'm like Dude, this feels like a scene in a superhero yeah movie. i feel like fucking spider-man i feel like i'm peter parker right now and she doesn't know it like you know what i'm saying like that's that i, I really I love obsess, you guys so I obsess much over you guys it. are the best <laughs> yeah, thanks man I, I obsess over it but what i think though and maybe you guys you know you guys are nerds too you got we all know superheroes here at uh-huh. least a little bit we could all name like 2030 so I, my whole thing is i think now that they've you know our marquee characters have their own movies like iron man's got a movie hulk's got a movie spider-man's got multiple movies like iron, uh, captain america on and on and on doctor strange mm-hmm. on and on and on i think they're starting to make series about characters we don't care about right right and mm-hmm. i think they're forgetting the characters that we fucking love, love. yeah iceman Dude, Iceman should have his own movie. X Men, and it could incorporate Pyro. Failed experiment, right? Yeah, yeah. They they wanted to do it. Like, let's start with Wolverine. He's our marquee character. Yeah, and then we're gonna do Gambit, and then we're gonna do like uh, Rogue or something like that. Uh, But diminishing returns on Wolverine because they fucked around with a lot of shit. Yeah, played with the the Deadpool a little too much. They're They're forgetting. I think they're forgetting. That the people that are watching the superhero movies are the same ones that were watching them thirty years ago mm-hmm. when we saw Spider Man climb the wall the first time. Yes, and Ben Bark and, and, and uh, his uncle Ben die like that scene in the Spider Man one. Like that's what made me become a superhero like fan. Right, is seeing Tobey Maguire fall from a fucking building and being like, mm-hmm. oh wow, that rise and it was quite literal a rise and fall of a hero. But now there's all this. Too much universal stuff happening. No one character is really important because and it's going to take all you guys to solve the problem. Yeah. And it's like, no, though, because I kind of right. liked when Hulk could solve the problem. Right. It made all the and Hulk fans be like, yes. That was yeah. the thing that uh, it was kind of pointed out to me by a guy I worked with last night where it's like, well, now we don't have Captain America or Iron Man, like these dudes who got us started. And I feel like people are yeah. less interested in these new people. And it's like, yes, because it's always like they're either gender swapped, just like characters, yeah. they're the same character, just gender swapped, or young. You know, yeah. and or Robert Downey Jr. is like a he's he's a list. He's, yeah. he's box office man. Yeah. Like that, you so, can't just take away that and be like, we're gonna be fine, right? And then another friend of mine pointed out, like they're, they're building towards Secret Wars, which was Secret Wars back in the eighties. That was like a a battle royale, basically. Yeah, it involved X Men. Yeah. yeah. But it's all of them. All of them. They just got pulled out of our world and put onto this planet to fight against each other. But then what's after that, though? Right. You know, I can ramble all day about fucking superheroes. I'll give them my tawan, but... Have you you read the new Secret Wars that they did in, like, 2015? I haven't. So, basically, it's what they're building towards right now, which is a multiverse war, where it's all going to cross over and everything's going to (laughs) crash into each other and everything. It's a mistake. But I think the gambit is that it's going to be a hard out. 
No pun. They're going <laughs> to shut up. Yes, no pun. The gambit is going to be a hard out. It's going to end, end for real. And then from that, it's going to spawn, well, now we can have a new Captain America, a new Iron Man, a new universe, and start you know, getting new creators in yeah. and still have these characters that we've lost in the past, but yeah, rebirth yeah. them, essentially. So That's just how, like yeah. a, a hard reboot, which I don't think is a bad idea, no. but also... Uh, I think part of the hate and the criticism and like the uh, aggression towards it right now is superhero fatigue. Well, it's kind of superhero. Yeah. Now. When we yeah, have dominoes, yeah. it's, it's oversaturation. Yeah. When we the have market, dominoes like, doing ads where it's like, you can be the superhero and pick up your fucking pizza and we'll yeah. pay you $3 for it. And yeah, you're just like, like Stop. dude, you're corny as shit. Knock yeah. it off. Oh my God. And DC had fucked it up for so long. They're trying to restart it with the James Gunn takeover and all that. But, uh, the, it's I I can't remember how long ago it was, but Spielberg said that mm-hmm. superheroes in this modern era is like the westerns back in the fifties and sixties, where it was like wall to wall westerns, 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 yeah. and they were getting pumped out like every fucking day, yeah. and people just kind of got over it. So I kind of feel like it's going that way, but also that doesn't mean we still have westerns today. Yeah. You know, yeah. We, like that makes sense. <laughs> The Harder They Fall. The Harder They Fall was one of the best movies we've seen in like a couple of years. I fucking love that movie. <laughs> I feel like I feel like in order to find the answer, we need to look into the past and we need to right. ask ourselves, why do we create superheroes in the first place? Mm-hmm. God's mythology. Right? Yeah. Okay, I feel like okay, that but I also feel like maybe like um uh, like the Great Depression era and like World mm-hmm. War II, right. like us mm-hmm. just like having something like a greater purpose to look forward to totally. as like a nation. It's like, oh, this like higher being that can like save us all. Captain you America know? was written during World War II to like inspire Americans to yeah. go fight. Yeah. Yeah. Hitler. Hey. Propaganda. <laughs> a lot of superheroes are propaganda. Yeah. yeah. Black oh, yeah. Panther was propaganda. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain America was propaganda. A lot of them. I just, I really yeah. think it goes back to, I, d- I really don't think people get tired because you don't get tired of pizza. Yeah. I think truly amazing things like as a creator, I do still believe that you can create something so amazing and timeless that it doesn't go out of style. Right. So I think that they're just taking the wrong approach. I think there's way too many people working on the projects that don't have like a consistency. Like there shouldn't be someone making a Wolverine movie that, or, 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 or like a show or anything like that. And like say there's like 30 people like that are part of the writing process and not one of those people have spoken to the previous Wolverine writers. Right, right. And I think that's happening too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was going to say like also the best superhero movies, they, they took chances, but like chances is in like let's make a great movie centered around a superhero. Like yeah. Iron Man is like a, a war movie. Iron Man's just like a study of Tony Stark. Yeah. And then he happens to be in this badass suit and fight Jeff Bridges. Yeah. The Dark Knight is this like thriller. Like it's not real. It's a Batman movie, but if you minus Batman and put someone else in, that movie still hits. It's like a like yeah. it's not about Batman. It's like Batman makes it cool. It and makes it even more interesting. And, but, yeah, but that movie could have been like if you put in Captain America in that movie, that movie still rocks. Logan is a western, but with a dude with claws that shoot out of his fang- out of yeah. his hands, and he's dealing with this problem. And like it's challenging the superheroes, but not like arbitrarily like don't like you said it's all about stories it's all about inspiration it's all about like even the avengers was a novel idea when they first made the movies first did it in the comics and the reason that every avengers movie just kept hitting and hitting and hitting was they were building towards something it was a beginning middle end kind of story you know and we've now that that's over and it needed to end that's the other part that had to end for sure but now we're kind of in this vacuum where it's like 
well, you can't just do that again. You know no, what I mean? No. You got to be inspired. You got to like go into it like, I'm going to make a fucking badass movie and I'm going to do Iron Man. We're going to get Robert Downey Jr. who's really struggling right now in his career. Yeah. We're That's the guy. We know it. We're not even going to hesitate. Yeah. yeah. There was no... T- that, okay, that's a perfect way to say it. Like what you said is, is, is there's now that there's like this this palette of superhero movies and there's like so wide ranging. Now they're like, okay, well let's just tweak this. Mm-hmm. Let's just tweak. No, no, no. Stop tweaking. Right. Mm-hmm. Overhaul. Or, yeah. New yeah. costume. Your, your, new su- superhero. Uh, like, like why isn't there not like a, um, a Nightcrawler movie? Nightcrawler's so fucking cool. Do you know his, his was lore? Like, he's like two movies and then he was completely omitted from got like casted X-Men, twice, two yeah. different people. He was omitted from X-Men 3 and uh, X-Men Apocalypse. And you're Probably just like, are of, you serious yeah. right now? Like you just brought him in and he's like one of the most interesting, one of the most popular characters yeah. and you're just going to like forget about him? Like and he's, he's, and he's like religious and there's like ties to yeah. like the Catholic Church yeah, and he's, he's like from an ancient tribal background Feeling so much guilt because he feels like he's literally a devil like a demon on yes Earth, like you know what do you like there's so many like stories there's so much story there yeah. you know and even like the fantastic four that like got butchered in 2015 like that <sighs> like that was fucking awful it's like what are we doing like yeah these are these heroes you don't have to try hard to make these heroes no. interesting and i love what you said about like you they need to be talking to the creators like yeah. uh doom patrol on hbo great show they work very closely with graham morrison there you go you know uh the Last of Us, right now. Uh, Craig Mazin. They literally copy cinematography from the video game. Yeah, hundred percent. But the yeah, the create like the head writer director of the game mm-hmm. is the creator and showrunner with Craig Mazin, yeah. who's you know a, a writer. Like he did Chernobyl. You know, yeah. he, I mean, he wrote the Hangover sequels. Well, he's done a lot of duds and stuff, but he's done bangers and bangers and bangers. And what they've done is combined. And instead of telling this story through gameplay, where it's like you know the big story beats after happen after you have to sneak through and kill a bunch of things and all that. And honestly, I thought the world was fatigued on the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. yeah. Because, like, like, the lasting... The, the last, was the it really Walking about Dead, zombies, dude? The Walking Dead finally ended. Yeah. Ended. They're going to spin off some crazy with it, but... Yeah, yeah. Like, about, it went out... Talk about representing the problem we're talking about right <laughs> Literally, now. literally, literally yeah. Walking Dead. But, let, I mean, let it fucking go. Just yeah. let it fucking die yeah. and take a couple years and create something new. Right. For something fresh that'll yeah. make us go... Oh, this is nothing like that, but it's the same people that made that, so mm-hmm. they have validation. Like, I think they think that if they do something else, they won't like be validated. But it's like as yeah. humans, I think we're the number one people that like we we sit here and we'll go, okay, we'll give you credit. Like artists will make bad album after bad, we'll still be like, oh, right. but he did that. Mm-hmm. Like, we'll give you the leeway. You Here's know? Just, one: Have you guys watched the Halo show on Paramount? No. no. God awful. Really? It is such a departure from the source material. Literally, I was watching it. I'm like, this could have been a you know unique sci-fi idea. Because Halo, what's the, what's the game? What's the stakes? You drop in, you're killing aliens, you're trying to save humanity. In that, it gets all fucking weird and existential and like almost Blade Runner-esque and yeah. tackling themes. Somehow there's a human involved that's on the Covenant side. It's so fucking weird. And I'm like... This is a show where somebody had a good sci-fi concept, but not enough confidence, so they slapped Halo on top of it to try and sell it. Oh, that's shitty. Yeah, that's that's how that that's show what it is too. It's more about selling things. But I, but this goes back to our first thing. I think this is a problem that the consumers create mm-hmm. because this mm-hmm. was not. So this is not how it's always been. So we have to look at what's the pro. Well, what's the difference? The difference is well now everyone's a critic and there's internet. So now if I am someone with a hundred million dollars to make a film, should I make the Nightcrawler film or mm-hmm. should I just make Fantastic Four five? Right. You know, like, 
I'll at least get this much return on that. Right. And then this actor will bring in at least this much box. It's more of a business now. Mm -hmm. But if I want to keep making movies in this world, I have to sell them. Right. And if you guys are going to fucking shit on everything that I make when it's original, may leave me no choice to lean on nostalgia and, and brands that you know or you're familiar with. Right. So I, I see both sides. I've literally been told in a meeting with a producer where, again, I was not pitching anything. This man gave his time, was so kind, so helpful. But he told me, he's like, I asked him, I'm like, I got some, you know, talk about comedy. And he's like, that's awesome. That's cool. And I'm like, I got some fantasy sci-fi stuff, though, that like, I don't know, that's kind of my dream, really, to write those. And he's like, is it like a thing that's already been made? And I was like, not really. I mean, it's kind of my own idea. He's like, nah, don't even go. it's got to be IP. It's got to be, or it, he's like, Star, Lord, Star Wars couldn't have been made now, right? Because... Yeah. They don't trust it. They don't know. Ballsy ass producer. Or yeah, like yeah. without James Cameron directing it, right? But like yeah. that to me is again, it's so frustrating and it makes me want to do the exact opposite because Star Wars can't exist without that moment. Yeah. Marvel can't exist without Stan Lee going like, there's a spider on a wall. I wonder if I could climb on that. What would that be like? You know, yeah. like you can't get to these IPs without consistent originality and creativity. And you can't just yeah. limit that to like comic books and novels and stuff like that. Yeah. Film is the ultimate place that you can cap. You can, I always say like, I wouldn't, if I like, you know, Anthony Davis, Pelicans to Lakers, you know, like yeah. I, that always frustrates me. Cause I'm like, I would want to turn the Pelicans into the new Lakers. Dave Lillard. Yeah, that's how fucking good I am, is I can turn the shittiest team in the league... Into a contender. Into a contender, and make I'll I'll make them legendary. Before Jordan got there, the Bulls stunk, right? Yeah, exactly. And now now they're the... And they still are not that great now, but like they're the Bulls, you know? But they're probably uh, top three, if not... I'd probably say, yeah, I'd probably say top three most valuable brands. Like Lakers, probably. Mm-hmm. Celtics. Celtics and then Bulls, probably. 100%. Yeah. And like, that's because of Jordan. That's because of Jordan and his dedication and his commitment. And again, like, yeah, okay, these are pre-existing franchises. But like, that's, you got to take a chance. You got to go like, you know what? Like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe King Kong would get us like, you know, 10 million at the first weekend or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But like this ape thing is like, Good. When I read this like weird original crazy yeah. script, whatever, like that example, I like it. Like I read it, I enjoy it, I'm captivated by it. The Last of Us is tough because it's a video game that already existed. Exactly. But that video game broke the what we thought zombies could be, reestablished yeah. like this dynamic and this relationship between these two characters, and it was powerful enough that they didn't have to change anything. Nothing. Adapting it to the yeah. show, you know? And sometimes it's not even if anything, original, they expanded. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's not just an original, original, original idea, but it's just something that maybe people forgot about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like imagine like a live action Ed, Ed, and Eddie. Like, it might be terrible, <laughs> but it might be cool. But it might be fucking cool. It like, Dumb and Dumber good. was cool, and that hey, shit was boys. corny. Son of a shepherd. Uh, Ralph? <laughs> yep, yeah, Ralph all the way. Double D. Like, Ed, like, like his, his stupid strength. Like, imagine, like, a live action. Like, Ed actually Dude. picks up the house. Like, they actually do a scene where Ed picks up the house. All right, like, that, that show would be with you. Oh, Courage yeah. a Cowardly Dog, another great show. Like, oh, these are that things. That could be terrifying if you did that one right. Dude, that could be a fucking, like. That could be, yeah. A horror, like, kind of borderline thriller, like PG 13. Mm-hmm. Like, almost like a Jordan Peele type of thing where you're yeah. like, it's funny, Jordan but it's. Oh. You know, there's mm-hmm. questions like, do we animate the dog? Sure. Because if we animate him, it's going to be weird. But if we don't animate him, it's going to be even more weird because he won't. Right. He wasn't drawn like an actual dog. But give yourself a chance to have that conversation, oh. you know? Yeah. yeah. The circumstances that they're in in that world allow that. That mm-hmm. you can have a fucking purple cartoon dog. 
And where's the and where's the Teen Titans live action? Show? Oh, dude! Like I mean, it's, it's like Young Justice, or it's like some other. It's like no, like the thing that like for me, like I think of my entertainment and like certain things in my life is like pillars of my soul. Mm -hmm. Like I can the, the way I even think is because of these things. To oh, dude! Like the That's, inspirations I draw, like mm -hmm. Teen Titans, like that Talent theme music, like the theme, Teen the theme Titans songs to go. shows, mm -hmm. like oh my we god, like that right there is more original than a whole series mind. now. Uh -huh. Like the song itself, like. But I want to give credit to shows like The Boys. Sure, sure. I want to give credit to shows like uh, Your Honor with Brian Cranston. Mm -hmm. I love that fucking show. Mm -hmm. Killing that. Like mm -hmm. there are still original things yeah. happening. Severance is a really Severance is really good. Crazy. Love that yeah. fucking show. Mm -hmm. And um, The Bear. I'm watching that right now. Oh, dude, that was really good he's I watched all of it i'm only like episode like four mm -hmm. but um but it's, like it's happening mm -hmm. it's happening i just think people like us need to educate the other people who are quick to criticize things right. and be like hey man sit with it for a little bit mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like because there's gonna like, you, that post you're gonna tell like 30 people to not watch the movie like right. like you know but just by your opinion and those people may don't they might not have the consumer savviness to like no let me see mm -hmm. like let me see for myself right and right. and if you just say that and if you have some type of influence you're going to deter people from like changing culture you and know I think the, the problem sometimes too with like the critics and the and the things like that is you okay you can criticize this great and and i don't need an essay of why that's a problem but if you want it to change you need to be very clear about what the problem was yeah. right like the new Ant-Man's one that like a lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of this, a lot of that. Everybody's saying stuff, but they're mostly just going, it stunk. And it's like, well, they can't well, really, why? yeah, they can't figure it out. Opinion. At least tell me like, why? Mm -hmm. What could have been better? Put, I mean, one well, example, constructive more. Constructive criticism. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but these people still, do you not, do you not see how many names were at the end of that film? Mm -hmm. no, oh, yeah. Life on hold. I pointed that I pointed that out. There were like 15 visual effects studios on that project. And people were like, the CGI in this movie sucks. And I'm like, well, one, they had a deadline that they had to meet. Yeah. Uh, yeah that movie, visual. honestly, was like 95% animated. It was a cartoon. <laughs> Basically. But, uh, you know, like, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot, man. And that's the thing people don't understand is that, you know, uh, I noticed with, like, a lot of Fox movies, like, uh, it started with, like, X-Men Days of Future Fast. But since then, Fox movies, before they got bought by Disney, the last thing on the credit was this film production provided 25,000 jobs. Yeah. You know, just to so like, people. Yeah, now shit on it. And it's just like, yeah, yeah 25,000 jobs where I'm sure that not everybody was completely passionate or confident about this thing, but they yeah. worked on it. They did yeah, their yeah, fucking yeah. job and exactly. they made it. They made the movie. Exactly. And that's something that um, film critics in general, I've disregarded them quite a bit because they don't make the fucking movies. And a lot of them haven't had film school education. They don't understand what goes into it. They just see something objectively and just go, oh, well, that's very derivative. And it's like, well, you're derivative of, of a douche, you know? Like, you know? Yeah. Uh, the only critic that I had any sort of merit, and he fucked up a lot of his reviews, like, uh, for knowing he gave it four stars, but Roger Ebert, because he wrote and produced... Uh, the sequel to uh, Beyond the Valley of Dolls, or I think that was the sequel. Okay. Yeah. And he made it, and it sucked <laughs> ass. Everyone hated it. So he made a bomb. And so I'm like, yeah, he's the only one who had any sort of merit. I mean, he's passed away. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah. like, he knows what a bomb is, and yeah. he knows how it feels to have it be torn to shreds, something that he put work into yeah. like that. It's so, kind of like me. It's like, understand your palate before you give a critique. Like, understand your palate before you give a critique. I'm never going to go to a five-star chef's, like, restaurant, and then because I don't understand the complexity of sushi, be like, oh, ass. Yeah. I'll be like, no, you just don't fucking get it, or maybe you just aren't processing it, or maybe, like, you know, just don't jump to, it's trash. Like, yeah. it's trash. Like, this, 
Bro, like, it's like, even to this day, I don't even call country music trash because at the end of the day, like, maybe it was like the funny thing to do is like to hate on country. Like, that's a trendy thing to do is, oh, I don't listen to country. It sucks. It's like, bro, these are stories. It's music. Uh, it's 17 piece bands working mm-hmm. in a studio to provide you something you can tap your feet to. At the end of the day, someone would die for this song. Right, right. So for me to sit there and be like, oh, so I never do that. Right. You'll never see me, oh, that's trash. Oh, that's, I, we don't do that. No. Even if we don't like it, we'll be like, ah, oh, man. Not like, for me. We'll almost be like saddened that we didn't like it, right? Because it's like right. I want to like everything I watch. Totally, I want totally. to like everything. I don't I'm watch putting anything. my time I'm into not this. Going in wanting something to fail, but people are mm-hmm. yeah. like right. people that watch the Cowboy Bebop live action. Mm-hmm. It's a huge, mm-hmm. it's a top ten anime ever made, and then they're like, "Why is he black?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, "You mean the dude that they made black in the fucking anime?" <laughs> like, right, right. Excuse me, like he, they made they casted him as him. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't like he was like a tall Asian guy and then they made him a short black guy. It's like I understand like keeping some things like like I personally wouldn't want to see like the Hulk be like a small Asian kid. <laughs> Actually, isn't there I mean, a new Hulk? The comics. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, he is. Okay, yeah, I guess that's there, a bad there example. There is a new Hulk and he is Asian, but I mean like it, it, it was is this a show? What is this in? Uh, it's a comic. Oh, it's a comic book. Yeah, okay, okay, I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. I think it's called like uh, the Invincible Hulk or something like that. It, okay, it's, yeah. It's like it came with like uh, when DC was doing New Fifty Two and Marvel did the Marvel Now and like oh, rebooted yeah, yeah, yeah. shit and wanted to make it a lot more diverse, and, gotcha. you know, inclusive and all that stuff. And that's Hulk's really... also had a lot of renditions too. They had like yeah. Gray Hulk where he's like. Not as mean. He's calm yeah. and he's like timid. Yeah. And then you had like the, the he the solves Hulk. crimes with his brain. Not yeah, his that face. one Hulk who was like a pimp. You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. he fucking wore the fucking like a uh, pimp suit and shit. Yeah, exactly. Had the fucking double breasted. Yeah, <laughs> like, what's dude. I think that I think they were just. I think comic book is, is like the perfect example of like risk taking. Yes, because they, they would literally completely really like kill it. off a motherfucker. Yeah. They'd be like, oh yeah, no, Spider Man dies in this, mm-hmm. and he's not gonna like this is the last issue. And then they're going to do like a different thing. Yeah. Like, and no, Miles Wolverine Morales, is just <laughs> like, as popular as Peter Parker. Yeah. You know? And the thing with Miles Morales that I found very, you know, good was it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like, yeah, uh, he's got an agenda. Man. You know, like there's an agenda. Yeah. And when you can smell an agenda from a mile away, it turns you off immediately. You know, yeah. like gender and race swapping for the sake of inclusivity, it's not good. But if you like, uh, what, what they did for uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, the play, yeah. that's after the seventh book that I guess they're going to make a movie now. But Hermione was cast as black, and people were like asking J.K. Rowling, which I know bringing her up is a fucking triggering yeah. thing for a lot of people, but people were asking her, was like, why is she black in this? And it's like, because she was the best actress. Yeah. You yeah, know? Right, I mean, right. like, <laughs> what can I tell you other than that? And, and, and it's not like Hermione is a race-specific role. Exactly. Now, if the lore of Hermione was, she's from Ireland, and her parents are potato farmers, and, well, now it makes more sense for her to be white because mm-hmm. that's part of her lore. But the lore is all these kids came to this fucking school. That's the fucking lore. Honestly, the only description she <laughs> had was that she had curly hair. And she's, an, and she's intelligent. Yep. Could and be she anybody. likes Harry. Could be anybody. Or no, she likes Ron, Ron or whatever. Yeah. And is, is in denial. Yeah. Well, a black girl could do all those things. Exactly. <laughs> like, so, so, I mean, it was yeah. just like, well, this is just the best, best actress. And I mean, uh, this what I'm about to go off is a little bit of a tangent, but I mean, like talking about IP and everything. My fantasy project since I was 12 years old is to make AVP based off the comic Aliens books. versus Predator? Yes. Mm. I love that. Based off of the comics because he got me into the first movie. Yeah. Like, back when it came out, and I was just over the moon, just blown away by this new world that I was introduced to. Predator was the first R-rated movie I ever saw. Oh, wow. All this shit. And then I read the comic book that started the whole crossover, you know? And the crossover was started because of that little Easter egg of the alien skull in Predator 2. Yeah. Mm. You know? And so then they wrote the comics, and I read the comic, and I'm like, why wasn't this the movie? 
So I've yeah. been working on an adaptation. As I've been working this adaptation, coming up with characters and everything, I look at it, I'm like, oh, wow, my cast is really diverse. Like, you know, two of the lead characters Japanese, second lead's black, third lead's black. Uh, all this stuff yeah. that I was looking at, I'm like, yeah, but I didn't do it with an agenda. Yeah, you just did it. They're authentic characters. Yeah. And they're people that I want to see on screen. This is the movie that I want to see, and this is yeah. who I want in this movie. It did. It, so I was just like, "Well, that's cool that it's diverse, but it's like I'm not trying to be like, yeah, like ha- meet like a quota." Star Wars, Star yeah. Wars: The Force Awakens. That one felt so on the head that it's like we have to have black guy, Latino Check. guy, Check. girl, yeah, you know, and then old like old characters and shit. And it it was just a reskinning of the first movie's plot. Yeah. With this updated PC agenda attached to it, and I just did not. I that of the new trilogy, that's the one I like, but <laughs> the other two were just absolute yeah. garbage fires. I'm, not, I'm gonna like look up uh, some superheroes that I think deserve movies, mm-hmm. and then I want to like see. I want to pit them before you guys. Like, I'll say two, and then I want you to tell me which one do you think deserves a movie. I would love it. So I would love that's that. That's what I'm doing. I love that. So I love that. Yeah. Love that. Um, in in the meantime, we could probably talk about. Do you guys have any guilty pleasure movies? Mm. Like movies that you know that are just bad, but you watch them because they're just fun to watch. Hugh Jackman's Van Helsing. Uh, yeah. I love it. Again, I love like it. I saw it when I was nine or something. Werewolf, Dracula, Frankenstein. Yeah. Crossbow, machine gun. Like, <laughs> I, I watch it back now. Blades, <laughs> yep, blades. yeah. And like, I was telling Sam, I get why people, maybe when they saw it, if, if you were... 20 and you saw that movie at the time uh, and you saw Dracula go Marishka! <laughs> it's like okay that's a, a little over the top maybe uh, but it's fun it's monster movies yeah so, I thought the werewolves in that movie looked scary so bro. they cool. were good when the werewolf when, he, when Van Helsing fights Dracula as a werewolf at the end I was like oh movies are everything to me now like this moment right here proved like my dreams are possible and Steven Summers did them. Uh, Mine, I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't have it quick in the draw like you do, Jack. But mine, of recent memory, I can say, guilty pleasure, I really, <laughs> really enjoyed both of the Michael Bay Ninja Turtles movies because they felt like really? the cartoons. They felt like They're the cartoons. They felt like the cartoons. I loved them. I, yeah. I didn't grow up with the okay. 90s ones. I didn't see those until after those movies, and it... That first one is so fucking long with yeah, yeah. not a lot of material. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is like lingering on shots for way too long. Kind of like how John Carpenter cheated the first Halloween movie. Oh, yeah. Except, because, I mean, that movie is a short film. It is not a feature-length film. He just held on shots a lot and just uh, buffed out the runtime for sure. But that's how that first Ninja Turtles movie felt for me. But then seeing the, the Michael Bay ones, I was like, this feels like waking up on Saturday morning watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. My guilty pleasure movies are... Disaster movies, uh, and also movies where characters get stuck in a weird place and they have to like figure out a way to like, Ooh, get like out. Buried. And one of them ends up dying. Buried's yeah. great. Yeah. I saw uh, recently. I saw the movie called. Uh, I think it was. Uh, it, it's on my list. It's on my list. It's uh, it's about these two girls that go uh, to climb this cell tower um, after her boyfriend died, and like 
uh, in a in a climbing accident, and mm. her best friend tries to convince her. I to, saw that. Too. Her, her best friend tries to convince her to 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 get go over her fear of uh, climbing heights again by climbing a cell tower. And as I think it's like two thousand feet, once it gets to the top, uh, the ladder breaks off, and they're basically stranded there. And the entire movie is about them, like you know, trying to figure out, and you know, like I don't know, man. I just like to watch like those types of like situations where you don't yeah. like you just see the characters suffer. Like, how would you get yourself in this situation, yeah. you bitch? You know, like, you know should have climbed that tower. Yeah. 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 Guilty pleasure. I dig that. I yeah. dig that. I like. Um, I mean, I love like the, the the obviously just terrible movies that are like good, like Sharknado and mm-hmm. the Disaster so Artist and good. stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then one that I always like, bro, just I just love it so much. The SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Of course, I dig it. I fucking love, like the first like two thousand three or four, two thousand five, like, I think. Because I remember, five, yeah, I would go. I saw Revenge of the Sith and SpongeBob like back to back, like three yeah. times. <laughs> it was the first time I remember something that was show format, which is like you know a SpongeBob episode is usually SpongeBob goes to the crusty. There's like three locations usually mm-hmm. in an episode. Like, Chris yeah. Crab, his house, and then Sandy's house. But this is like the first time I was like, wait, we're going to Squidward's house. Mm-hmm. Patrick's house. Krusty Crab. Wait. Land? Shell City? Uh-huh. Shell, the Forbidden Shell City? Like, what is this place? <laughs> king hey. Neptune. Oh, wait, there is a, there should be a president of Bikini Bottom or, or a king, rather. Like, it was Land? answering all these questions I had that I David didn't even know Hasselhoff? I had. Real people? I was like, David Hasselhoff. I'm like, what? They're writing? And he has his, his pecs go like a robot. Like, what's going on? This Dude. is amazing. And I'm in the theater watching SpongeBob. Like, we're all goofy know. goobers. Goofy goobers, bro. Uh, Dude, and then that? Oh, my see, fucking God. Died. Like, what? They, they literally died and came and then back. they came back to life yeah. because of their tears that they shared. <laughs> the, te- the friendship. I mean, and I'm like, I'm literally watching this with like my best friend at the time. Like, we're like nine, ten years old. Like, yeah. she's watching this shit. I'm just like, we're all goofy <laughs> goobers, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and it's movies like that to me because I'm, I'm so soft, man. Like, I really sure. am. Like, um, we were we were we were talking about uh, that HBO show, uh, The Last of Us. Mm-hmm. How episode three mm-hmm. with are so polarized about that, dude. I don't. I was polarized, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so if you don't know, uh, episode three, it pretty much follows the story of this man who's a survivalist. He's already ready for this shit, like doomsday prepper. Yeah, yeah. and it's the same dude who plays Ron Swanson mm-hmm. in Parks and Recreation. Nick Offerman. Oh. Nick Offerman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, pretty much, long story short, he he's ready for this shit. He's he's honestly. Happier alone than he is with the rest he of the world. He gets the whole town to himself. Gets yeah. the whole town to himself. Has like barriers up, automatic gates, and like fucking a whole bunch of shit. That's some I am legend shit. Literally, but even more prepared. Mm-hmm. Even more. He's like he'd have fucking killed Will Smith. Like yeah. he was fucking. He was fucking. He was way more ready than Will Smith was. Like Will Smith fucking every single day was like a hardship. This guy was ready. Right. So anyways, he meets this other guy. Uh, he's like in his. He's in his trap, and he's like, "Please don't kill me." He's like, "All right, I'm letting you leave. Leave." And. Pretty much, they develop a relationship because he feels bad. He feeds him, clothes him, and it real. And then over time, you realize that they're both gay, and they fall in love, and they live together for what, like a decade, yeah, like like ten, twelve years, and then eventually, the man he found starts to you know get cancer, and mm-hmm. you know they don't have medicine, they don't have fucking doctors and shit. So he he oh. says, "I want to live one more day. Uh, I want you to you know I want to go to the place. I want us to try. I want to go to the mall and try on clothes. I want us to do all these things that you know you get did married, when all that stuff. society exists, Had right?" And then when it happened, uh, they are yeah. It's alluded to in the game. So yeah, in the game, yeah, yeah. yeah, Bill, the the character, he you meet him and he sends you on a fetch quest, basically. Mm. And but through you know, snooping around his whole house and everything, you like find a gay porno mag. Uh, I I don't remember it. My girlfriend. It was told much me more on the nose you, in the game. Yeah, like, you find you, you find, find Frank like, okay. and like his his body is like hanging. He killed himself that way. And then the show turned that story into a beautiful love story. Man. And Bill doesn't die in the game. 
spoiler alert, they both die together at the end yeah. of this episode. Well, and two, also, it's like, I, there's one zombie and it's on like security footage. And the whole rest of the episode is just Bill and Frank the whole time. Yep. yep. Yeah. The, and, it, and, and I was, my point with bringing that up was to say just like, I'm a softy man. Like I don't need a lot of the bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. If you can write something that hits me right in the humanity, like, right where, like, because I'm not gay. I have gay friends, but I know lots of people that probably would have turned it off because they're like, I don't want to see two guys kiss, or I don't want to see... And I'm like, bro, I don't see two guys kissing. I see two people that are in love kissing, like, Exactly. Personally. And like, that's the point that so many people miss. I, I put mean, myself in that The bar that I work woman. at, mm-hmm. the amount right. of times that I've overheard people, and I've even had friends just being like, can you believe episode three? And I'm just like, you're a fucking gay basher. Dude, that's you're, still my favorite episode You're of the closeted whole like, homophobe. Has, yeah, right? right? <laughs> you're, and it's like, you're, you're like, I'm cool with it, but I just don't want to see it. And I'm like, you're a homophobe. And you're not fucking, cool with it. Yeah. You're it's not like cool the exact with it, bro. opposite of being cool. With and it's like I, saying, I, I'm cool with black people. I just don't want to see them. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah, okay. Like, so they you're can cool. do their thing. Yeah, yeah. Let's leave <laughs> them over there. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, me personally, like, even when we, like, write our own films or when we're, like, creating things, like, I'm like, but what is the humanity? What is the human moment? Um, I'm actually, like, uh, making a music video right now where, like, literally I, I fall in love with a sex doll. And it sounds crazy, yeah. but it's like, the song's really deep. It's actually about yeah. real love yeah. and loving something inanimate but still having a deep love because you have so much love in you um, that it doesn't matter what you're loving. The Joaquin Phoenix, uh, oh, her. her. There yeah, you go. That perfect movie. example. Perfect example. Yes, like that's, uh, that's kind of the inspiration. Yeah. That other one, Ryan Gosling falls in love with a mannequin. Yep, yep. Uh, um, I can't remember what it's called. Let me look it up. Very but. still cast away. Yeah. Uh, the hatchet book I read, the hatchet, he falls in love with the hatchet and it helps him like get out all these jams and stuff. So I'm literally going to be like just stumbling around drunk like it, heartbroken, but then I meet this. I see this sex doll just sitting there inanimately. She doesn't do anything the whole fucking video. Lars and there. the real girl. That's there you go, Lars called. and the real girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I looked up uh, uh, scenes of that when I was creating this idea. Awesome. And and I'm just like, yeah, like that's. And the song is about love and loss and you know sad vibes, whatever. But it's also like there's a greater story being told with this like music video. It's like you really can be alone, but if you have so much love, you won't feel like it. Right. And it's what also, you make of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I'm just obsessed with that concept. Like, any show or anything. Superheroes, That's it really goes down to superheroes, right? Like, why do I love Spider-Man? I don't love Spider-Man because he swings around. I love Spider-Man because he's a fucking poor kid from New York who got fucking bullied and yeah. watched his uncle die because of a decision he made. That is 100 That's why I love Spider-Man. Exactly what Stan Lee was going for. Yeah. And the other thing, too, was the decision that he and Steve Ditko did. It wasn't Jack Kirby who wrote... Who you know, drew it. It was Steve Ditko. And that was something too, was that it's like, he has the full body costume covering his face. Any young kid of any race can be Spider-Man. Can be Spider-Man. They can't be Superman though. No. Cause every photo of he, Superman is a white he's guy. He's a white guy. A Truth, justice, the American curl. way. You yeah. can't, you can't fuck with yeah. that mold. And that's you can't, cool. And like, that's why that whole thing was, it's like, uh, people flipping out about uh, the potential of Michael B. Jordan being a Superman in a J.J. Abrams movie. That's been scrapped. But yeah. I, I'm like, well, one, they've done I don't like it, not because he's black, but just because I just don't like Jordan Michael B. Jordan's acting skills, mm-hmm. I think, fit other... Other roles. Kill other roles. Perfect. Yeah, Creed. yeah, yeah, yeah. Creed. Perfect. Perfect. Like, even, like, some, like, Rambo. I'd love to see him as, like, Rambo or some Ooh. shit. You know, like, that would be cool. That'd like, be because, a good you know, reboot. Sylvester Stallone's kind of like, you know, he's kind of gone... Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't think he needs to get another movie taken from him. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's, it's a passing of the torch. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, no, I'm just I'm just a Didn't huge he fan win of an like Oscar man. Just for Creed. Didn't he get best it was supporting actor? Nominated. He was sure. nominated. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but they kind of I heard they kind of did him dirty with this next one. Like it was supposed to. They were supposed to involve him. He wanted to be a little bit more involved than they wanted him to be, which. Mm. 
you know, personally, I feel like the person who started the franchise, like, I know you're an actor, like, you got paid for what you did, but there's something about integrity that I think Hollywood should have had with that. Right. And there's no reason why Sylvester Stallone shouldn't be a part of every single fucking Creed movie because it's based off the universe that he created. Yeah. Just like when they brought back Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. Every fucking person was like, you did the one thing that you could have done to make us not judge this movie at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't see one bad thing about that movie. You made it bulletproof. Yeah. And, and they redeemed on, Andrew yes. Garfield in it, too. Yeah, 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 because his movies were looked at as, like, the worst of the Spider-Man movies. And one's awful, I just gotta say yeah. that. <laughs> but, but one thing real quick. Yeah, please. Yeah, uh, like, back to, like, that moment, like, the humanity. Like, right. I can't be a fan of something if I don't sense the humanity. Right. Yeah. If I sense it's a money grab, if I sense it's... All front end, no back end, or all no front end, all back end. I can't get with it. Right. But that's that scene where, uh, you know, because in Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man movie, uh, Gwen dies. Uh-huh. But then when, you know, Tom Holland's Mary Jane is falling, Zendaya, and he's like, he's going to miss it. But then the second Spider-Man's like, no, not right. twice. And, and not two times in a row. God, that yeah. hit me. I felt like I was diving. That moment after he lands on the ground and he knows that she's safe and he's falling apart. And she's yeah. like, I don't get it. We get it. Yeah, as the yeah. We, yeah we, we get, get it. it. And it's know? like he, has, he just met her, right? But yeah. he knows it's almost like they're he all knows connected. How much still. She met to Peter Parker, and thus him, because he's also Peter Parker, right? So it's like this deep, triple layered emotion, and it's like fuck, man, like that's superheroes, and that's why I think that movie works part- so particularly well. Um, you know, because. It could have easily got off the rails with easily. bringing in the other characters, all the villains, on. all could have been corny. five villains. You know, like that's a lot. And there's still Doctor Strange, and there's still Happy Hogan and Aunt May, yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah. And they and Daredevil shows all this stuff, <laughs> yeah, but right. they did it because it's a story about what does it mean to be Peter Parker now that everybody knows you're Spider Man, right? Yeah. That's something one we haven't really seen. We feared it. That's yeah. actually what we feared. Uh huh. Exactly. If he knew, then he'd hurt Aunt May, and he'd hurt the villains would hurt all these people that he knew. That's what that's, we're actively yeah. avoiding through all the other movies, and. Now yeah. he has to just go like, okay, I'm not like tiptoeing around this anymore. No. Who am I? And then they, and this is what the, like the multiverse stuff that's happened feels very gimmicky. It feels like, yeah. Ooh, the multiverse, this is cool. Instead of like, what can the multiverse teach Dr. Strange about? Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. what? It's more so like they're all get, putting in on this like property opposed to like understanding why they want to, yes. you know what I'm saying? Like what's the real estate? Like why is Dr. Strange so invested in Peter Parker? Right. Right. You know, because I like that relationship. I like that older mentor slash goddammit kid. Especially like with that. Tony it's gone. Really good. Yeah. With Tony gone, he's kind of. You're just a kid. I keep yeah. forgetting you're a kid. Yeah. And, and it's, it's beautiful. Thrust into this wild, universal fucking yeah. consequential, like, you know, role as Spider Man. It's, yeah. it's easy to forget that Peter Parker is still just I a think kid. One, one thing, real quick. I think we. I, when you guys ask the question, like, why do we, like, obsess over superhero movies and, like, what is it about it? I think it's two things. I think it's A. We all want to be great. We all want to leave the two feet that we stand and walk on boringly every day. We all want to fly. We all want to have super strength, all those things. But when I think of every superhero, it's because they're dealing with the thing that they can never get rid of, mm-hmm. which is their mutation. Mm-hmm. Just the same way we can never get rid of the things that are going to happen in our life. Right. And, and sometimes our greatest power is hidden in our greatest weakness, like totally. the Hulk. Totally. Like if he, gets too, if he gets mad, if he gets too mad, he'll fucking hurt people. Mm-hmm. But... The fact that he knows that he does that is like a, it's like poetic. Right. And that's why every time you see him like transform, he's ashamed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, it's, and especially the, uh, that first one with Eric Bana, like that scene where he fights the wolves, those mutant wolves. Right. Yeah. And then after that, he has to like 
be naked by his girl and just like he's so like he's scarred up and it's just like man this is the most flawed he's ever been in his mm-hmm. life after he just did the most amazing shit we've ever seen a human do and like that that mutant like the x-men all this like it's literally just saying hey the mutation is symbolic of human flaw right yeah well, and it's extreme yeah, exactly and i've always thought too like kind of the irony of what we're talking about here is like oh yeah you know the thing that's frustrating is they keep trying to do the same thing over and over again and it becomes like manufactured but like i don't know as, as sam and i write more and like learn what is a good story what are the shows we're talking about the movies we're talking about they all have this they're all pretty simple they're all kind of the same thing yeah. like they really are like life is suffering life is hard but we endure and we do our best when we believe in ourselves and we work together you know what i mean and then there's but whether it's romance or a team or or a comedy where it's like two un- dysfunctional idiots that like again stumble their way through we're like we've all been through something 10% of that you know like yeah. every movie that like really resonates like if you go through the top 250 of IMDb you look at those movies and you're like these are modern classics emotional you know impact is, mm-hmm. the number, is the common denominator in every single one of those movies emotional yeah. impact and I was gonna say like we were just talking about Creed and Rocky we were talking about Rocky last week and I mean those movies and I think just fighter movies in general because I just this whole fighting style was I don't give up it's not yeah. even I'm the quickest I'm the strongest he, he lost. He was stubborn. He lost in the first he movie, yeah. but he went the distance. You know, and it, it's something about overcoming like that. Like I just rewatched uh, Warrior with Tom Hardy and uh, Joel Edgerton. It's yeah. such a good fucking movie. But there's something about that where it's like these are just fundamentally flawed individuals yeah. that push themselves further than they ever thought they could go to overcome. And it's two brothers who wind up in the ring for ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, and. It, you know, Tom Hardy just wouldn't tap out. He breaks his fucking arm, and he's like, tap, dude. Like, I don't want to be hurting you like this. Just tap. And he's, like, st- still holding on to that resentment that he has for his brother until he finally goes, you know what? Actually, it's not about me. It's not about this resentment. It's, and, and feeling this strength and power my brother has wanting to earn this money to save his family uh, then he taps and yeah. it's just it's beautiful it's fucking amazing and you get that out of all the Rocky movies except for Rocky 5 because that movie's a fucking piece of shit <laughs> you know uh, but it, it's something about that where it's a triumph of the human spirit Revenant's the same way uh, that's one of my all time favorite movies uh, and there's just something about that that I think that's what resonates and that's when you get a story that doesn't click it's because they don't have that human aspect like you were talking about and uh, yeah, I, I know we're kind of short on time here, but I wanted to transition over to like, you, your guys' creative process being the young creatives. Yeah. I was just going to like, yeah. Su- yeah. I was just going to suggest uh, exercise. Maybe we could all improv like a, a made up superhero movie, mm. right? Like one of us. Uh, we'll each do an act, like act one, act two, act three, act yeah. four. Oh, that's cool. That's you okay. know, like first okay, act, you establish first act, you establish uh, who the character is, what's the inciting incident, how do we get into the story. <laughs> Second act, you know, you build on that, and by the okay, third, cool. by the last yeah. act, you basically. Like, how does it conclude, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, who wants to go first? I mean, first uh, I'll start. Yeah, let's go like yeah. left to right. Yeah. Okay. Let's go. So, okay. So, I'm gonna just do like the basics, then you guys can like build from there. Sweet. Love okay. It. So, I love this. so I love this, this kid, uh, his name's Emmanuel. He's a Puerto Rican kid from South Queens. So, same same Spider Man kind of okay. like okay. environment. This is in the Spider Man universe. Let's okay. just say that. Let's add that in Deal. there just to be cool. Just to be cool. Uh, 80s. 80s? 80s. Okay. Got it. 80s, cool. right? So, like, clubbing. Everyone's clubbing, right? Cocaine's fucking yeah. cracks. Crazy, yeah. yeah. Big hair. <laughs> His mom owns a laundromat. Okay. 
um, they get robbed. He sees crazy shit happen all the time in the laundromat. People get jumped. People get like this laundromat is a catalyst for. He does his homework there, but he also sees all the fucking sh- fucked up shit of New York there. Um, yeah, I see some people who's like washing out blood of their clothes and shit like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got, like dirt yeah. and just like, so. Here's hard, the inciting incident. Day. Yeah, inciting incident is one day one of the famous boxers of the city. So maybe this is like John Murdoch, like <laughs> Daredevil's like dad, right? Or yeah. some guy who's known for beating ass. Yeah, comes in there and he um, helps him with a bullying problem. And from that point, he realized that he wanted to do something greater. He wanted to protect his mom's laundromat or whatever the hell, right? So this is how he gets his powers. And I'm not going to say what his powers are. I'm just going to say what happens, and then you guys tell me. Okay. Okay? Deal. So one day, there's an outage at the laundromat. And he goes to you know, try to fix it. And he gets trapped in... Um, the the what's the room where like you know you do the all the breaker room, the breaker room. room. Yeah. gets trapped in there, all the lights are off. Scene. Okay, building on that, uh, <laughs> I'm assuming that I'm assuming that whatever happens with the breaker room, he gets shocked and he somehow gets electricity powers. Right? Okay. Well, but that- he doesn't know it yet. Maybe he doesn't know it until the next day. Maybe he finds out by accident. Uh, I want to build on uh, the mentor guy that teaches yes. him how to fight. Okay. okay, so we build on that. Maybe he beats the bully, whatever. Good scene, good scene. You know, like we see him progress. The laundry mat gets better. Maybe they fix it. Maybe the mom gets money from the city. They buy yeah. new dryers. Right? It's good. Uh, let's contrast that with then maybe somehow Uncle Ben's similarity with like the mentor. Like, you know, he's out with some night. He teaches him like an important lesson, whatever, like some quote that's going to carry over for the rest of the film. Okay. Right. Like a life lesson, whatever. Mm-hmm. As soon as they say that, they end the trading session. All right. Remember, um, Emmanuel, whatever. Like, don't, you got to pick don't, your battles. You got to pick your yeah. battles, right? <laughs> Turns the corner, poof, right? He hears a shot. What happened, right? He goes, runs, he runs, uh, and then sees his trainer fucking dead. Oh, Maybe not gunshot. You know, that's too Uncle Ben-y. Yeah. I want to make it different, but I do want him to die just because I feel like the character should yeah, die. He, yeah, he picked the wrong battle. Yeah. He, he, there was somebody who was, like, holding somebody up at knife point in the alley. Yeah, he jumped yeah. in. Around that area? Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and he and, jumps in, and then he gets stabbed, and he dies. Yeah. yeah. There you go. And then maybe yeah. uh, Emmanuel gets so angry at the situation, right, seeing his mentor die in front of him. Like, maybe he didn't have a dad growing up. Maybe it was just his mom, right? So, like, he had, like, he was a father figure to him. Um, so what if the anger somehow like triggers that electricity uh, power that, so that, that came Hulk-esque. about? Kind of Hulk esque, right? Can't really Very emotional. He can't control it yet, right? And then maybe uh, we build on that to like you know uh, maybe he accidentally blacks out and he kills like the guy uh, that 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 killed his mentor, but without knowing, right? He blacks out the next yeah. morning. Maybe he just finds out on the news that you know the mentor plus the other guy was died of you know electricity or whatever. Yeah, right? something because I mean. Uh, Thinking about like the possibilities of electric powers. I mean, I've I've thought about it writing or trying to come up with a, a superhero comedy movie concept. Uh, but like, I mean, it can be a lot of things, you know. Yeah, it's like you could he could just be like in his feelings in his own place, and then somehow that you know it, it overpowers and goes through the power lines and literally like explodes this guy's apartment. You yeah. know, just because yeah. he was thinking about him emotionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like oh, that. there you go. That's a good you know, way to do that. Like too. He, he he can literally like go in through and you know teleport his presence and be that way. About yeah. It. yeah. Okay. And then uh, I think we need to figure out what is the main villain. Do they have a power? I was going to say, you should start this. Yeah. You should leave a seed. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Let's make it. 
I'm going to keep it a little bit more realistic just because I always like the superhero movies that are a little bit more like tied into reality. Mm-hmm. Let's say that uh, there's a mob uh, organization in the city that likes to control, uh, they like to price gouge uh, electricity for yeah, people, they, they, right? Uh, lower income neighborhoods, maybe. Run a racket with the DWP. And maybe, <laughs> and maybe they're realizing that this Emmanuel kid is like helping out all these people with their electric bills. And it's like, what's going on? We're losing tons of money. I've seen that could happen before, like your thing. Just yeah. Like, like with the power. Yeah. Like, because like, you know, electricity, like it would be pretty high bill what if he's just like you know behind like you know he's just like touching like the building and he's like making the washers and dryers run to save his mom like yeah, yeah, yeah. so like little stuff like that we see happening so he's like already kind of like using his powers yeah kind of like reversing the bill like uh, if you have yeah, solar panels yeah, yeah. Or, yeah or he'll just go to people's houses that have no lights and he'll just like and now they have like heat mm-hmm. and like light and stuff like so he's already yeah because he's stuff. very connected with the neighborhood he, he knows people who are struggling people who are yeah. having trouble eighties in New York yeah Imagine, making let's remind, ends meet let's you know? bring that back again eighties in New York it's probably the worst yeah. time to be in New York oh yeah blackouts every month yeah, 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 yeah no, I mean that. it was like almost a weird like one light bulb per house kind of situation yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and let's make this uh, generic mob character somebody who's just like obsessed with power so maybe he sees that this kid has powers and instead of maybe stopping him he tries to like. Also get the powers that he has because he's obsessed with control and like you know taking over the city and maybe he wants to like become more powerful with these powers. So uh, let's just say something happens where he does achieve that by accident or like maybe he he kidnaps Emmanuel and like maybe he forces him to tell him how it happened and he re- recreates the experiment and now this mob boss is also an electric. Uh, has the same exact powers as he does. So now this little kid that maybe had a, a couple boxing uh, lessons from his mentor is now like tasked with like defeating this this mob yeah, boss. Yeah, it has yeah. all these connections yeah. around New York. Yeah, like yeah, like good luck. Like how are you going to do that? Mm-hmm. All right. So that's that's where I'm going to end off. Right. Like that's now our arc that we have to overcome. Yeah, because that leaves you with like uh, you know he's he's literally st- speaking truth to power, yeah. but in a physical medium where it's like. This guy, I'm, I'm thinking of Chinatown, where it was like uh, you know, know corrupt, like you know, visual. like they're yeah. controlling all the water and everything. They're driving up the prices and just dumping clean water out into the ocean, that kind of stuff. They're manipulating the power grid. They're fucking jacking up prices. You so know, it's just like, hey, how about how about we go ahead and uh, fuck up Harlem today? That kind of thing, like that kind of stuff. And this guy, now that he's figured out how to get Emmanuel's powers, is just from wherever he's sitting is able to do that you know so maybe he's he's even like manipulating like wall street yeah 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 exactly and through that ultimately it will be his undoing because he's like oh i don't need a crew i don't need all these people i mm-hmm. i have total power now i'm basically omnipotent at this point mm-hmm. okay. okay okay and emmanuel still holds on to his core values, right? His his family, his neighborhood, these people doing right, just being good in this world. Yeah. And he sees this, and he sees what he's done, and, of course, feels the guilt, feels the grief, uh, especially with his mentor being gone and everything. Uh, he takes that, and it almost is like a reverse of, you know, what you would see, like, at the end of a Marvel movie, like, big sky beam, that kind of, you yeah, know, yeah. major fight. Oh, he yeah. unifies everyone around him to band together and shut off the power, basically cut this guy off at the knees. So even Emmanuel doesn't have his powers here. So then that's the, the, the final, like, that's that's the big buildup. This is where the climax happens. It's Emmanuel squaring off against this guy. He's had a couple boxing lessons. This guy doesn't have his toadies. He doesn't have his crew. Yeah. What's that look like, Jack? 
Oh boy! Well, uh, this villain who I'm going to call the eel. Uh, <laughs> yes, I'm the eel. I'm the eel. I'm gonna take your belt. Maybe he even has eels in his fish tank in his totally. office or whatever. Totally. Like, totally. Yeah. Like the first foreshadow. Maybe yep. like the very yeah. first scene. Uh, Emmanuel's mom goes to the landlord's place, uh-huh. which is the place owned by this guy. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And she's talking about the rent being too high. Like we just see the eel, like just like a head poke yeah, out. Yeah, like, I'm really watching good. you, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the eel and Emmanuel squaring up no powers you know and uh, Emmanuel he's, he's what did we say an age did we let's say him? he's like 17 17 yeah. he's gonna so, have to go bare hands with a man I was gonna yeah. say let's not gotta, make him like 12 yeah because mm-hmm. he gets choke slammed and the movie mm-hmm. okay so hmm. okay God, it's gonna be crazy climax. You have the hardest job. Yeah, right. This yeah. is gonna be great. Uh, I get all the explosions. This is a good exercise, right? Okay, so. They're fighting. They're going at it. He's squaring up against the eel, but you know what? The eel's got to be able to hold his own a little yeah, bit. Course, yeah. He's a full-grown man. Maybe he's got like three or four henchmen that are like kind of pounding on this kid, and it's like you're in the boxing ring, but you're fighting five heavyweights, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's going bad. Mom sees it. Mom goes, oh, no. Oh, God. I know maybe she found out about the powers like a little bit before this or whatever, and she's like, I got to save my son. She flips it back on. Everybody gets, he gets his powers. The guy gets their she powers. She doesn't know that he also has powers. Right, exactly. Uh, she's like, I got to save my son. But then she's like, oh, shit, uh-oh. And they're going, they're battling, they're doing their thing. Oh, fucked up. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and then uh, 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 then the eel uh, slithers away because he's getting his ass kicked. And he's got it. He's got him. So he blows up the monster mat. You know, he takes out the thing that Emmanuel started this for in yeah. the first place, takes it down full rage. He's going at him. Bam, bam, bam. Starts fighting him. Um, obviously lots of cool electricity CGI. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the potential visuals oh, yeah, here. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> Who needs a sky beam when you've just got bolts swinging at each other? You know what I mean? It's like Thor and Zeus in a fight. You know what I mean? And they're going, they fight. And uh, okay, I just don't want to do it like a classic superhero movie. I want to it's do something hard to different. Like, right? That's the hardest part, bro. And I'm like, okay, do 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 we set up se- uh, producers? Do we set up sequels set up sequel. for him? Okay, set cool, 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 cool. Okay. Okay. Let's see. Uh, so he, they're fighting. They're they're in Queens. They're going, and Emmanuel realizes that the only way to like stop this dude is get him in the water, get him in the ocean, right? So they're squaring up. They're going. <sighs> Okay, okay. Mm. Emmanuel can also be hurt if he also falls into the ocean. I was going to say, how do we, yeah, how do we get, oh, he tricks him, you know? Like that cool moment where you get like, you know, punch, punch, distraction, distraction. Emmanuel's like clicking because he's not, he, he realizes the laundromat blows up and he gets mad. He like loses it, gets reckless, starts going. The eel goes for his mom and he's like, well, I gotta like, he gets sharp. He gets focused. Yeah. He gets control. Sets up. He sees the ocean. Whatever foreshadow kind of moment, yeah. climax thing. Dot dot dot. The eel comes up. Emmanuel disappears, and he goes right into the oh, water. Okay, like that. All the what? Power goes out, and then it just shoots back on. It's yeah. fucking glowing. You know, oh, he's shit. oh man. New York has never been better. All the city. They come out. They see Emmanuel. They start clapping for him. It's great. Um, and he's like, oh, shit, I got to get out of town. And then Emmanuel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he's that. too famous by the end. That's yeah. what happens. 
he gets too much notoriety. Now he's uh, got to go to Los Angeles. That's right. Yeah. 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 Buy our movie. All right, and then uh, after scene, uh, after credits, end scene. Yeah, post credits. Oh, okay. Oh, Get the post credits set up. So we, we go to the ocean. Uh-huh. We submarine dive down. Deep, 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 deep. As we go deep, you see creatures that you've never fucking seen, like swimming. But it's not like alien shit. It's just like, no, we just don't know what the bottom of the ocean looks like. So now you're like seeing it. So that's already interesting. Going down, 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 deep, 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 deep. We see the man's body floating, right? But instead of it being like, he wakes up, right? We've seen that a million times. Yeah. He's uh, that eel that you're talking about. He's like swimming around him. And it just like starts, like eats his flesh a little bit. Like starts chewing on him. And then the eel like, kind of like, it looks like it like it's pow- more powerful, and then it's like and like swims off fast as fuck. Nice. Oh, yeah. Ooh, so, get a, get a, some, so it's like almost a, like a, almost like some like uh, <laughs> kaiju spreading action. of the yeah. Maybe this fucking eel winds up in like Southeast Asia, you know, or like something uh, like that. I was gonna leave the I, door open. When I thought of the name the eel, I was like, can I get like a giant eel at the end of this thing? Like, is there? <laughs> that would be fucking that's dope. dope. Dude, that's yeah, it our be, villain. It could be a pretty big one too. That's that's Godzilla like size like, eel. Like, oh, man. yeah, that's one. That's one we haven't seen, and that'd be a great sequel. Is we haven't seen superhero versus kaiju yet. I mean, yeah. the closest I would say is Suicide Squad. Yeah. The Suicide Squad. The Suicide Squad. Like, like at the end of this one, he floats, he nibbles the guy, and his eyes just... And then he yeah, disappears. That's dope. And then through the second one, it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And it's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah, it, it doesn't have uh, an agenda. It doesn't have an ego like humans would, you know. And I, oh, I man, think yeah, that like, would be such an interesting villain because, I mean, like, you could also, you know, install, like, oh, there's this, you know, government entity that needs to, you know, catch Emmanuel mm, and harvest yeah. him and, you know, yeah. weaponize him, which yeah, is, I mean, like, you know, yeah. every fucking movie does that. But, I mean, that would be kind of cool to make them, like, such a sea level fucking concern mm. versus this kaiju who has no agenda other than it's growing out of control it, it doesn't understand anything yeah. from other yeah. than it's like lizard brain logic you yeah. know it's, uh, it's got you know it's in a sense Emmanuel's fault I love yeah. what like Tony Stark with Ultron like oh yeah okay you can like try and save the world but like much like life if you don't really think forward if you just kind of yeah. do the thing for now there's going to be long-term ramifications Absolutely. later i think emmanuel that'd be an interesting thing like hey maybe like two years later he's like grown yeah. up okay he's a superhero he kind of likes this all that stuff oh shit i threw that guy in the ocean and now there's a kaiju eel yeah, uh, yeah tearing yeah. up japan okay maybe uh maybe i need to be a little smarter about <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly exactly i love hell it. yeah dude. man no seriously we'll, we'll sit here and just create movies like all day man like sometimes we we just think of scenes and we don't have the scene tied to anything beforehand this might be like an hour 20 into the movie i just come up with a random scene of a random movie i've never talked about before and it's just a scene mm-hmm. oh and i mean this just fully answers my question about like how you guys get going on in your creative process. We just literally did it on oh, air. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we we showed. Yeah, and, and, I mean, and it depends on the yeah. medium. Like, what are we creating? Right, right. Like a movie like. All the best movies I picture are are made because people were just throwing around ideas. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think you can make a movie and be like, okay, every idea we have is going to be the final idea. Like absolutely yeah. the fuck not. Like everything is up for negotiation, even when we're shooting. Like even when we're editing, we made plot changes while editing. You right. know, like we've completely like oh, taken yeah. no, scenes my, out. Uh, my f- production one class in film school, we you know we made a short film with him and a, another friend of mine starring in it, and. As I edited it together, somebody watched my edit and they were like, why is this scene here? It should be after this scene. And I just 
popped yeah. it right over, you know? Yep. Uh, I guess really what I'm wondering is like when you guys get down and you start planning, you know, like a music video. I Music videos for me have been like a tough one because I'm like, some of them, they're just like non sequitur, just showing shit. And then other ones, they're telling a story. And then some of them yeah. tell a story that you're just like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, yeah. You know? But, uh, you know, I've seen your stuff and I, I follow it. I track it. I see what you're going for. But, like, what are your influences? What do you guys talk about? How do you guys plan shots? How do you pre produce it before you execute? I would love to know this. Uh, for music videos specifically? Yeah. For, well, and then for larger, but, you know, yeah. music videos, because there's so many directors like David Fincher who started off with making music videos and then they get a big budget studio opportunity like Alien 3. I mean, unfortunately, that production was a shit show for him yeah. as yeah. his first feature film production, but uh, the visual style, the visual language and communicating while a song is playing. Because Jack and I, we uh, we love the Tarantino stuff and the James Gunn stuff where there are needle drops, but used eff- effectively rather than like the first Suicide Squad where in the first 15 minutes, there's eight songs. And you're just like, what the fuck? Fortunate Son and Bohemian Rhapsody? Like, what are you doing here, yeah. you guys? Like, I hate when they do that. Yeah, so if you get something that is like Tarantino or James Gunn, where the, the song plays for the scene, it's almost like, and I think James Gunn has said it, that he's written scenes while listening to the music. Yeah. You know, and I mean, for my AVP movie, I kind of want to pay homage to it, you know, but halfway through the movie, it stops. You know, I'm not going to keep, you know, throwing soundtrack through it because it would fuck with the tone after yeah. the shit hits the fan. Okay, yeah. So uh, the way that I get inspiration for like music videos, at least it's like you got to listen to the song first and just feel it. Just feel yeah. it. You know, like whatever it is that you feel like authentically. Like when you're trying to create anything as an artist, you need to like create it from like yourself. Like mm-hmm. whatever the song made you feel, just go with that. Think of like colors, shapes, like locations. Like where are you at? Where do you where do you picture yourself? I'll listen to this song and they just build on that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, music videos are easier because it's just so random. You get two and a half, three minutes to like just like you said, some of them, some music videos are just like random, just shots. They just show you things, and there are some music videos that do a really good job of that. Um, so it's a lot easier for music videos. Like they don't always have to make sense. There's been times when we're on set and we're like, oh, but like there's this plot hole. But then we come to the conclusion that like, oh, it's a music video at the end of the day. It doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, can, you it's, can it's cop there. it out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So with music videos, I, I find myself like I have like a slideshow of ideas in my head. Some of them are, like, really good. Some of them are, like, super low-budget, like, easy things to come up with. People that don't even shoot music videos could have probably come up with this. But yeah. it's a collection because, you know, you have different scenes in the music video, but they all kind of, like, tie in together. Whereas a, whereas a movie, it's like you might have scenes and none of them tie in together. Like, it's just this scene introduces this character, this scene, blah, blah, blah. And then after 30 minutes, now all these scenes will start to kind of come together. But we had to introduce everyone first. So in a music video, you don't really get that. It's like we hear the artist singing right away or rapping right away. So we instantly know this is about this person. So we kind of have a focal point already that's this artist. Or there's been times where we were like, okay, well, is the song good enough to not even have the artist in the video? Because if the song's good enough, you can tell a story and have the artist kind of fall second to the story. But most times the artist is more important than the story. That's why there's usually like performance scenes where it's just like really cool lighting and they're rapping at the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just think of like a slideshow of ideas. So if I hear a song and I'm like, I'll think of colors. I'll be like, oh, that's definitely like green, like blue. Oh, this is red. And like, yeah. I think I'm like, okay, spotlight? Is this like angelic? Is this dark? Oh, wait, no. Like, okay, what's this? Is this rapper more like ego driven? Is it more hip hop? Is it more look at me, look at me? Or is this like a folk singer who's like, I'm not really good in front of cameras? It's like, okay, well, that'll help me create a visual. Mm-hmm. So it's really just, 
every situation is specific and it kind of like predetermines what you're going to like think about almost like because I would never come up with like a concept like like for a metal band that doesn't like reinstill like they're a metal band mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it's not like going to be at a preschool. Yeah, yeah, like, like, you know, unless, unless, unless right? So, so look, keyword preschool. I just got, I just thought of a whole fucking video, right? You ready? I was not thinking about this like ten seconds ago. Yeah. Little kid sings all the words to the death metal song. It starts with him being bullied in school. Maybe like the song starts like or whatever, right? And then eventually the kid's like, "Shut the fuck up!" And the kid, the fucking six year old kid, is like the one screaming, and yeah. he's just like throwing kids. It's like show and tell. He's like smashing kids' shit. Like, yeah. Like the teacher's like, oh Boom. my god! Yeah. Boom! Look at that. <laughs> right, he takes the teacher's tie and just like fucking like strangles him, he's like choking him. Like yeah. this is metal now, yeah. right? Yeah. This is metal now, and and we use that preschool thing that probably wouldn't work, and now we made it work because we added the aggression that's in the music yeah. into the visual, and it's a good comparison and contrast. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I guess the simplest way is to. Break down, like if I was like going to teach someone how to create a music mm-hmm. video concept, break down the song in categories in which it makes you feel, mm-hmm. and then try to create a visual. Right, because the that song does is the exact the same things. Yeah, the song's yeah. a script. The song yeah. tells you like yeah. what actors you're working with. It like, tells you kind of like what mm-hmm. the vibe is, what genre it is, and yeah. then you just kind of create within those lines. Right, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, so then for like a longer, like a short film? You know, where you actually have a script, actors, everything involved. Do you guys storyboard anything? We we do and we don't. It's mm-hmm. weird because it's like when I first start creating an idea, I'll storyboard just so I can see it. Yeah. Right. But then once I'm like, once it's in my head, once I've watched it 400 times, I don't need to do that anymore. Right. Like I kind of already know like yeah. what yeah. I want it to do. And, and then sometimes the storyboard just flies out the window too. Like let's oh, say yeah. there's like a location change last minute and now it's like, oh damn. Right. Well, the location. This entire storyboard doesn't location. mean anything now. Right. The <laughs> entire know? location. That's happened before. Whatever means and whatever yeah. angles you're able to get is yeah. what you get. You know? Yeah. yeah. Other side, so it's a film. Uh, this is gonna be the next film we release. Um, it's pretty much a film about homelessness, and it's two homeless characters who the, the scenes the movie starts with them like racing like uh shopping carts. So, like, it's like a culture, like these homeless people like like customizing these shopping carts and racing them. And it's like Spliff is one of the characters, he's like a British guy, and he loves this. This is like his he's kind of like convinced himself that this is what he loves when really he actually wants to live a fucking humane life and not live on the street, but he's convinced himself that this is his thing. And Damon, who's the exact opposite, he's a you know bigger black guy. He wants kind of like to have a girlfriend and have a nice place to like bring her back to and like have a job that he's respect respected at and stuff. But he loves Spiff, Spliff so much that he keeps kind of entertaining this that life. There. The humanity, the friendship. But eventually, Damon, uh, uh, the the inciting incident is one day when they're like fixing these carts. Uh, Damon gets hit by a car, not like crazy, but just like enough to. But it's a rich guy who's like, God damn it! He fires his driver right there on the spot, like, and he hires Damon as his new driver. So instantly he goes from rags to riches. So it's a story of rags to riches, but also like homelessness. So that was like straight up filmed in like two days. We wrote it in like a week or less. And it was just because the, the, the concept is so in my heart already. The, the, everything else is just fluff. The message is rags to riches, homelessness, how the other half lives, and how we both envy certain parts of each other. Like yeah. the billionaire does kind of envy the homeless man sometimes in sense of responsibilities. Like, but then the homeless man obviously envies the rich guy for obvious reasons. So right. I always think that it's kind of like the, 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 the message is there's no perfect life. Mm-hmm. It's just to do what you feel 
and to love others even if they don't love those same things. Right. Like Spliff loves carts. And Damon loves that Spliff loves carts, so he loves carts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and it's really cool. It's like going to be like about 25 minutes or so. And nice. Shot yeah. in two days? Wow. Yeah, man, yeah. Because it was like two full days for sure. Sure, like two, yeah, yeah. Like nine hour days. <laughs> Not two no. two hour shoots or anything. But, yeah. it was, but, but everything was very controlled. Like right. I think it was like four locations total. Like sure. most of them, they're homeless. So it's like, again, we came up with that idea because, you know, uh, a lot of times as an indie filmmaker, you come up with ideas that are going to like help you create the project. So it's like, well, now they're homeless characters. Well, that gets rid of us having to have like a mansion for a location, you right, know? Right. Now we can shoot this whole thing on the streets. Right. And no one's going to tell us to not shoot in this alley or whatever. Yeah. So, you know, obviously that kind of helps, but I feel like I'm coming up with some of my best ideas now because I'm limited. Mm-hmm. So I'm having to be more creative. Whereas if I had a million dollar budget, I could just make anything happen. I could just totally. be like, oh, yeah. Let's do this. Uh, yeah, let's shoot in New York. Uh, let's do it. It's like, no, bro, right. we have to shoot in Iowa. We have to do this. We can't do this. Can't do that. And sometimes people would think that that would limit your ideas, but I think it just, like, grits, gridiron just makes me, like, want to create something better. Mm-hmm. I'm a big process guy for sure, but, like, as Sam and I have done more stuff and created more and just, like, learned how to do it, um, I think we've both realized that, like, yeah, you know, have a step-by-step kind of thing to, like, get the ball rolling. Yeah. But then the two things you need is you need to, you know, get it done, right? Yeah. Which you guys were like, two days, here's what we got to do. Like, create the, um, you know, list of what it takes to actually execute and focus on doing that. See it through. Don't just say, oh, this would be a cool movie. Like, so many movies get stuck in limbo, not because they're unrealistic, but just because nobody's working on them, you know? Yeah. And two, and this is this is everything you guys just said, are you inspired from it? What makes you inspired from it? And then hone that inspiration. Like yeah. find that interesting, that funny, that cool, that heartbreak, that whatever, the thing that gets you in there. Yeah, yeah. And then like you guys are saying, like the storyboards might go out the window. We might like realize we could only shoot in four locations, but that doesn't matter because when we're in those four locations, we know exactly what we're trying to get out of this. We're not putting on like a, you know, we're not putting great, amazing cinematography behind a crappy story. Like, no, this is an amazing story. We also happen to be extremely talented filmmakers, but like the, the essence is there and you guys are so good at working with what you have. I mean, it's super inspiring. And I think that I think is what we're losing in creativity is it's gone from this like kind of cool thing to now this like glorified type of activity that everybody seemingly wants to do. And I, like you said, like, uh, you know, the world seems so big. It seems like, oh, I got to get it. And no, nah, like just realize, like, keep on your path. Keep doing what yeah, you yeah. like, what you think is cool. Beautiful things will come out of that. Yeah. yeah it, make sure you get it done. That's kind of what we've That's learned. That's the biggest thing, man. Like people always ask us all the time, like, bro, how do like they, they ask us in so many words. But what they're really asking is like, how do I do what you're doing? Right. And I'm like, well, first off, you just have to do it. Like, the first film that we ever worked on together was a film that, like, we had to, like, not beg, but, like, damn near had to, like, work with all of our friends and be like, okay, man, it's like, we had to convince them this is an important thing. Like, you know, you have to, it's a lot of convincing, 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 convincing until yeah. eventually people are convinced and they don't have to do that anymore as much. So, like, right now, like, any actor that we know, if we said, hey, man, we want you to be the lead on our next short film, it would be no conversation. Just, but not because we're the shit, but it's just because we've proven to that person that we give a fuck. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to do something, and we're asking you to be a part of it, there's no way you're going to be more passionate about our project than us. Right. And so, uh, I mean, I can relate super hard to that because that's, I mean, it was before he even got into uh, the, the film program at DU. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was him and my buddy Wes, and it was just me with a fucking 
Sony camera with a shotgun mic sticking out the edge, shooting Orange Crush. I, you know, I was like Robert Rodriguez and that shit, you know, one, <laughs> you know, Rebel Without a Crew, that kind of thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the lighting's terrible, the editing's terrible. I, like I watch that movie now, and I'm like, it's terrible. <laughs> but I did it. You know, yeah, yeah. and I could tell you learned so much. He was a lot more on board. Our buddy Wes was just kind of like, uh, I'm doing a favor for my buddy. Yeah. You know, because he's he never wound up being interested in, you know, pursuing it. I mean, we tried to because we think he's really yeah. talented and funny and we wanted to. But, you know, he you know, life took him where it took him, you know, to Alaska. <laughs> but uh, like it was just like, you got to trust me. You got to trust yeah. me. And they trusted me. And then we did we debuted it. Uh, with all the other production one class films at this like movie theater restaurant, it wasn't Alamo, but it was that kind of style. Cool. Uh, and you know, for some reason, I was like one of three people there who was interested in making comedy. Everybody was interested in horror or being the next Tarantino or yeah, you know that. making something that's like super heavy and super dark, like yeah. you know molestation or suicide, that oh, kind well, of yeah. stuff. You know, and we put ours out there, and there were like. Four, three or four other comedy movies that was during that show. And they played and, you know, got chuckles and stuff. We put ours out wall to wall laughter. Yeah. Wall to wall laughter. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Uh, it's crazy Orange to, crush. like, be in a theater. Like, again, it's very, like, we. it was the first thing we ever did, right? Yeah, we were 18. You know, yeah. It was almost a decade ago now. And, like, I... Couldn't believe, like, again, I'm like, oh, my acting sucks in this. Like, what? and I still don't think it's, like, the best, right? Yeah. But, like, you're in this place where you're feeling vulnerable, and they screened all his stuff in the movie theater. I don't know if he mentioned that. Yeah, yeah he did. Um, and, like, to have a theater of people, like, roar at a joke is, like, uh, that you said or your buddy wrote or really? that feeling. And, like, tonight we have an improv show. Super excited. That That's yeah, kind I'm of what you're too. going for. Hell, yes. Um, <laughs> look. It's indescribable, and, and it sounds like it's like vain, like, oh, I'm so funny, I'm so this, I'm so that. Yeah. But what it really is is, like, we can provide that feeling to a mass of people. Magic, dude. It is. It really it's is. Magic. And and I've had girlfriends and best friends that I've, like, talked about this with, and I don't think I'll ever be able to really put it into words because mm-hmm. it's the thing that makes me cry. It's the thing that makes me laugh. It's the thing that makes me literally want to get up and do this thing that's so hard that's life. And when I hear like laughter or like when someone is like, Ooh, like during a right. fight scene of our movie, like I don't even watch the movie. Like there's been a, t- a couple screenings we've done and I'm always watching the crowd. Mm-hmm. I don't know about mm-hmm. you guys. You probably weren't even watching the screen. Totally. Like yeah. I'm, I've fucking seen this shit 300 right. a times. Thousand. I, yeah. I'm looking at <laughs> this. Yeah. every shot of every second of this movie and, a million times. I'm and, over it. And you always assume like, okay, this is how they're, they're going to like this part because of this or, right. Oh, this might not get as many laughs as right. this part, but it's still going to be good. Throw all those assumptions out the window. Totally. You don't know anything about how someone's going to like your film. You don't know anything about, like, there's been music videos that I've done of mine that I'm like, okay, well, this is definitely my best video. And mm-hmm. someone's like, no, bro, I like your other video better. And I'm like, right. that doesn't even have a story. There's like, right. it's only two scenes. I didn't even change outfits. Like, mm-hmm. you know, all these other things. <laughs> yeah. And I realized that, like, this is like kind of like what I'll say in closing is like, whatever you create, it's only yours before it's done. Yeah. yeah. The moment yeah. it's done, it's you relinquish ownership. Totally. Mm-hmm. It's not yours anymore. And that's part of being an artist. Right. You know, I mean, yeah, because that, that opens it up. Everyone's a critic. Everybody criticizes. People like it. People don't like it. Yeah. And it's out of your control. Yep. You can't it's not yours. people to see it the way you created it and how you feel about it and share that feeling with you. Yeah. Uh, like, 
and, and it goes for like showing somebody your favorite movie. You're you're vulnerable. You're feeling yeah. like kind of like if this person doesn't like it, this means that they don't. It's like, like they a don't like something that me. makes me who I yes, am. Yes, exactly. Something that's very important to me. I mean, like sharing your favorite song. You know. Uh, yeah. Like my favorite song of all time is Telegraph Road by Dire Straits. It's a 15 minute song. It's amazing. It's a fucking yeah. epic journey of a song, but I'm like, I'm not going to throw this on willy the fuck nilly yeah. without just being like, you know, completely opening up my heart to somebody like yeah, that. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So no, yeah, definitely. Like I've yeah. had girlfriends and I'm like, okay, like there's music that like, there's like my actual taste of music. And then like the things I'll play, like when I don't feel as comfortable, like around somebody, like, right. I'll play the yeah. stuff that I know people like the, the like, hits yeah, like, <laughs> the, like, the down the middle. Classic rock's always a good one. Yeah, classic yeah, yeah. hip hop, anything exactly. that's just like, yeah, I'm sure it's been out in the world. You hear it out in the world. That but if you come stuff. into my house on a Tuesday, like he'll tell you, bro, there's no rap being played. Uh, I don't play yeah. any hip hop. I don't play no rap. Not that I don't like rap. Yeah. It's just what makes me, what makes my quote unquote heart sing, what makes me feel alive is when I listen to someone sing. Yeah. Ah. When I listen to like a crooner, you know, you know, when like I listen to like Latin Frank music. Sinatra or when I listen yeah. to like, like man, like, Oh my God, like Sam cook change oh, is going to yes. come like the voices that shaped an entire generation of like thinking. And, and to me, it's like, if I'm trying to do that, I got to listen to and only listen to and only take heed from the people who have done that. Like, you know, obviously I listen to everyone like who gives me like ideas and like, you know, everyone has like a movie idea they want to like pitch to us and shit. Like, but for uh, me, speaking of, we have an idea. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> hey man, I'm, I'm down to hear it. It's just, I feel like a lot of times people want us to do ideas just cause they know that like, we'll actually do it. <laughs> and they're like, hey, can I tell you about this idea that I'm not going to manifest, but if you like it, you can manifest and you can pay me for it. And I'm yeah. like, what? Wait, why don't I just manifest uh, my own ideas? <laughs> when I started stand-up, I got that a million times, just people being like, you know what would be funny? Oh, gotcha. You know it would be a good joke? I, I wouldn't do it, but you can have it. <laughs> yeah, you can I like have that for it. you, though. You can have that. Like what? And I'm just like, I, it's not mine. I don't relate to it. This is your yeah. fucking joke. You take it to the fucking open mic. I don't, I don't yeah, want to yeah, waste yeah. my time and try and develop your <laughs> material. I, it, and yeah. I also find that, uh, you know, it, it, you know, you're not listening to hip hop because that's uh, for me, if I'm listening to too much comedy, that's in my vein and I'm trying to write from that style. I mean, like uh, my it's dangerous. Yeah, it's dangerous. You, you'll, you'll, you'll steal you'll it. You won't it. even know you're stealing. Like I had, I've just been recently doing rewatches on new girl and workaholics, which are yeah. two of the funniest shows I've ever watched, but I stayed away from them for so long because I didn't want them to seep into my writing. Cause yeah. like, uh, the show that Jack and I have been recording and working on about to release, uh, the audio format or the line previously known as badge. Yeah. Uh, when I first wrote that script in film school, dude, it was so workaholics. Yeah. It was straight up workaholics. Like, Bits in that, like we basically did the part where they did shrooms in like episode three. It was basically that scene, but with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah seriously. Like it was so fucking like ripped from it. But I was in a, the writers' club and shopped it around and got yeah. it to the point that they liked it. But then when we came back around to developing it again, and we changed it to being a different format, this anthology series parodying True Detective, Fargo, all this stuff. And where the script is now, we still have the the bones that were there, but holy crap, it's a different voice because yeah. it's our voice now. Yeah. It's not you me. you found it. Yes. It, but you had to write I the workaholic to, shit to know that that wasn't yeah. your voice. Bro, you know me. And I had to push it away, too. I had to push it away. I had to push it away. Yeah. You know? And now I'm rewatching. I'm like, I fucking love this show. It's one. Yeah. It makes me so happy but i'm happy that i pushed it away while we were writing both this show and unexplainable the last audio podcast we yeah. did 
uh, or audio screenplay. And I think that it's paid off in dividends because it's challenged us. It's forced us to be ourselves and be ourselves instead of just, you know, just being like, well, we think this is funny. Uh, We want to be like those guys. Let's do what they're doing because that works. It'll never work. work. I always tell people like, you're not going to be as successful as someone who's like, you can't be them better than they can be them. Exactly. And so why the fuck even try? Like, just be you and be you like on a hundred, like be you like fucking right. all the time yeah. unapologetically. And you will stand out from people who are too scared to be themselves. Yeah. Right. And you don't even need to have a skill. Like, like straight the fuck up, bro. Yeah. You don't even need to have a skill. You don't need to be creative as long as you're you mm-hmm. at all times. You are confident. You are the product. Yes. You're selling yourself every time. Yeah. And if you show up and you're just like, uh, uh, well, I have this like idea, like, uh, you're not confident. So people are not going to buy You need to be passionate about idea you're not passionate about. Yeah. How's that work? You want to show up like you just found fucking pay dirt. You just struck oil. You found gold, dude. And you're too excited. You cannot contain yourself. That, and I, that's, for me, that's how I found stand up to be. Yeah. You know, if, I'm showing up and I'm rattling off stuff that I've written down verbatim and it sounds robotic. It's not going to sell. And so that's when I switched from being, because that's how I started, was verbatim, like writing it out like a script. Now it's, well, and I haven't done stand-up in a while, but still it's like extemporaneous. Like I have the big chunks of like set words that I know I need to hit. But I show up to the audience like, it's a new, it's it's a conversation I'm having. Because it's not a monologue, it's a dialogue. It's yeah. call and respond, you know. Oh. Uh, but if you show up and you're showing up like you just got to a party and you're about to tell your friend like the funniest story, yeah. you know, that's what engages people. Because they're like on board. They're like, I want to hear what you, you have to say. Like Interesting. I want to hear what you have to say. I like you're about to tell a joke. Yeah. Sure. And you get yeah. some people up there with stage fright or whatever their material is, is not like, you know, hitting right or, or they're just working it out, but they haven't found the funny yet. You know, a lot of people will go up with like their depression stories or trauma stories and stuff. And I'm like, I know you can find the funny in this because otherwise you wouldn't be telling it. But right now you're bumming everybody the fuck out. Oh, yeah. That's why I feel like comedy is one of the hardest art forms. I don't know much about it, which is why I'm so interested in like how you guys do it. Like, um, how do you, like, what's your process of, like, making something funny? How do you make a comedy, you know? Like, like stand-up or whatever, you know? Like, I know stand-up's, like, the, the toughest thing to do because it's, like, it depends on the crowd and, like, mm-hmm. you said it's, like, a feedback kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, the same. The most observant people on the planet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next to scientists. You have to. You have to be. You have like, to how be. do you find your comedy? Right basically the same. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know? Um, Socially. Oh, man. I mean, we've had the benefit of being best friends since we were three years old. So that's been one. But the fact, I, for me, when it clicked for me was my uncle. Uh, and uh, Jack can attest to this. I was, I was the kid who would always laugh so hard he'd pee his pants, you know? <laughs> but just watching my uncle do his thing, I was just like, I, I want to capture that. I want that power. It's a superpower. It felt what like was it. your uncle again? Uh, my, my uncle Dave. Yeah, and he, it was one bit in particular where he took my sister's baby doll and he's just like, uh, you know, fucking around. Kept calling it a bald-headed baby. Just you know, this fucking bald-headed baby. And then he <laughs> stuffed it in the oven and then just opened it. And he just goes, well, something's burning. And my sister, like, freaked out. And I just pissed myself laughing. <laughs> and that was it. I was like, I'm in love with this. I found Monty Python. I found all this stuff. And really, it was just enjoying it, enjoying it, enjoying it, absorbing so much of it. 
and then being like, this is what makes me laugh. And really for when we're coming up with stuff, it's like, what can I do that makes Jack laugh? And then Jack does the same <laughs> thing, vice versa. What will yeah. make me laugh? Mm-hmm. And that works. And it's honest. It comes from us. It's our place. And we know it's not everybody's humor. Yeah. You know, I mean. Well, I was going to say, I mean, that's that was one of the most freeing moments for me was like, Comedy is so subjective, and whether you're in a room with two, uh, you're in a room with one person, it's subjective, or eight billion people, it's gonna be super subjective. So I can't like, I can't do the right thing. That was a big one for me. I've, you know, I spent so much of my like, I the thing I always say to like kind of define my personality was I remember in preschool we went over the definition of shy, and I vividly remember going, oh, that's going to be a problem. Like, ah, <laughs> uh, that's going to be something I'm stuck with for a while, you know? And now I'm here, I'm doing podcasts. I'd like, I can, and I'm a trainer. Like I can be, I'm an extroverted introvert in that sense. But like, I spent a lot of time, like kind of like almost being insecure. Like I remember one time we had a meeting, Sam West and I, where I was like, let's explain why we each think the other is funny. And I, <laughs> and that was mostly just to go like, why am I funny guys? Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I started like why thinking, like yeah, why do people like me? I can't figure it out. Uh, <laughs> and I remember like the first time I realized like, oh, I like can at least craft something that makes an audience laugh was we had a, like uh, we went to outdoor lab is what they call it here. And we go to the mountains for a week and it's sixth grade and you stay in a cabin with your best buddies and you hang out. And then on Thursday before you go home, we do a talent show that night for your cabin. And we were like, we don't know what we, we're not the jocks that sing. We're not the, you know, the girls that like play a little game or whatever. Like we were, so one guy was like, I know this boy scout like skit where it's really fucked up when you think about it. it. You, you, you're. It starts with a guy who's like about to jump off a cliff because he's so depressed, and he like tell, and then somebody else shows up to jump off the cliff, and then he's like, "Why are you here?" And that guy tells his story, and then the other guy tells his story, and they're like, "One, two, and then another person shows up, and we just kept doing that for our whole thing. And now looking back on, it, I'm like, "Wow, yeah, that was really fucked up." But because uh, <laughs> yeah, that was the whole buildup. So I had a Scooby Doo pillow. I played Scooby Doo. It was has been, and he was just washed up, and he was sad about it. That's why he wanted to jump. Jack played Doctor Phil. <laughs> we were twelve years old, and we were doing these characters. And the the way that this the, the big punchline of this really dark fucking sketch is that we all are like unanimous, like yeah, we're we're gonna jump, we're gonna jump. And one, two, three, everybody jumps except for those first two guys. One of them's a reporter, one of them's a photographer, and they take pictures of it and write a story. No, yes, that's that's fucked up. Up. boy scouts, boys. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> but I guess Cub Scouts at that time. But anyway, um, so I play in Dr. Phil and I don't even know who Dr. Phil is. Like we the, scary movie four. the, the, the counselor was like, you should play Dr. Phil. I'm like, what does he do? And he's like, he just calls people idiots and gets mad at them. So I just went up and was like, you are an idiot. You know, it was just like about that guy, like that kind of impression. And I was, I, I didn't, I was so nervous. I was like, cause I've always wanted to be like an actor for whatever reason, but then never pursued theater again, very shy, you know, whatever. And then this, like my entire class who I thought like at minimum didn't know who I was. And at worst hated me fundamentally because of who I was roaring laughing. I'm like, Oh shit. So I just kind of like went into that dialed into it, stepped away, blah, blah, found improv towards the end of college. And Riley, you basically said exactly what I realized at a certain point, which was, Every time, because I found a real knack for improv because I liked the freedom of it. I liked being able to get up there and just go like, 
we all know this could be a shit show, so let's just have fun, right? That's how we bonded. Like, we played in my backyard with wooden swords till we were far too old to be doing so. (laughs) Like, that's not how we part. Like, we partied doing that, you know what I mean? And We didn't drink until, what? 18. Yeah, until after football. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh... Birthday. Yeah. So t- I was 18, they were 17. Yeah. But um, I, so I'm on this improv stage and I remember I'm like, okay, I got a great joke. Here we go. Like, this is going to kill. This is going to be great. You know, I'm having a good show. And I go up and I tell it crickets. Like, crickets to the point I was like, oh gosh, should I not be doing this? And then I had another moment where I was doing like a playwriting class and I had this one script that I had had in my mind for a long time, wrote it in five days just on a whim read it in the class and again killed and i was like oh shit okay i got this great comedy script we do our second um draft or whatever i bring it in and we had like this playwright in there it was a whole thing and i'm like put mine first like let's set the tone here let's go crickets like (laughs) trying to write jokes i mean like there is a way to like kind of do it and whatnot but like doing it for the sake of being funny versus just going like this would be funny improv once i just start going like i'm just gonna like say something and that yeah. ju- laughs 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 i'm like the bold choice pe- exactly what people are reacting to is not how clever you are or like how they're reacting to how much they it's what comedians are really i think doing or at least what i like to think our job is is to go like hey we're all thinking the same thing you know yeah, yeah, yeah. we all have our own realities and worlds but I'm yeah I'm just going to be the one to say it and you can get mad at me and, and you might not agree. Like that's another thing, but like enough people agree that I can keep mining these types of things. Yeah. And then like, yeah, humor and stand up and improv, all that's great. But like I grow as a person. Cause I go, sometimes I'm like, Oh, this is like so funny. And then you're like, that's just kind of stupid. Or like, this is really stupid. This is, oh, no, this is hilarious. This is like a universal truth that I didn't even think about, you know? There's so many different ways to be funny. Exactly. Like there's, there's there's what you're saying, how you're saying it, mm-hmm. the pauses. The pauses oh. are moments. We talk about this so much with improv, and this is something I learned a lot in class. Silence is sometimes the funniest thing, sometimes the most powerful thing. Yeah. Just moving on stage, being is so humor is being that's really what yeah. it is it's it's existing and having to just react to it res- existence in the moment right yeah and like improv we say third thought because we think of something and then you like try and go but what does that make me think about what does that make me think about yeah that's where you're trying to get to but like the base of humor is just that like reaction to the weird thing that's going on which we're all going through weird things 24-7. Yeah. The, the most funny comedians are the ones that are also the most comfortable. Mm-hmm. I never like the ones who are like, okay, like you can feel like they're like going during a routine. Like yeah. I want to feel like you might have just thought about this on stage. Mm-hmm. Like I want to feel, even if you did it and, yeah, and you that's... rehearsed it with writers or whatever, like I want to feel that way though. If I don't feel that way, that's why I've never been really a big fan of like certain comedians. Like I love like the Bill Burrs. I love Chappelle. Um, I can see how Mike Berbiglia would be tough for somebody. Yeah, like it's it's very much he does one man show. Yeah, it's funny as hell, but it's all very much like down to the letter, down to the punctuation, like planned. And eras of comedy too is different because like in the nineties, early two thousands, race comedy was huge. Oh yeah, like you had to have jokes about race. Like Russell Peters, um, one of my favorite comedians, like the first like mainstream like Indian comedian he has this super fucking funny joke where he's just like he's like Asians and Indians will compete with who's the cheapest <laughs> he's like he's like but, but I'll tell you right now we're setting the fucking record straight 
All right, Indians are the cheapest, <laughs> and all the Indians are like woo. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a joke in itself. That's not the joke yet. No. But the joke is, he's like, we're so cheap. We created numbers, but not only numbers, we created zero. Zero. <laughs> so it's like one day, he's like, some some guy, some guy was doing, he's doing his accent. He's just like, he's he he made a number, and he said, uh, what is that? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> he just draws a circle. It's like. What is its value? Nothing. It's beautiful. <laughs> like, that's so genius. I love that. I love it's that. two, three sentences, mm-hmm. right? And that joke got like a fucking 30 second laugh break. Yeah. That's because awesome. Because obviously, his, you know, there's Indians that are his fans. So they're right. like, yeah, we're the cheapest. Fuck yeah, you know? Right. But it's like, that's not really something to be proud of. Mm-hmm. So that's a joke. It's like three layers of a joke in one. And it's like, that's fucking awesome right well and it's it to me like here it's it's listening right it is i mean acting improv all this is like yeah you got to listen to know what's going on but for like that like that crowd feel like that indian crowd feels heard everybody else goes either oh that's interesting to learn or, or maybe i thought about that or whatever they and it is the truth that the, that the indians actually did invent the numeric table exactly that's like actually like a fact yeah. so it's educational mm-hmm. funny in three ways Brings people together while also acknowledging differences. And in a world where we're just like all on our phones, all doing things like, and this is, you know, it's good and bad and so many other stuff, but like people are craving authenticity and like to be heard. Like that's why everybody posts their movie comments is because they're like, but I like no movies, you know, like I love movies. Yeah. Yeah. And and I get it. Like I want the world to know that I love movies, football and lifting weights, you know, like, and I do. And I, those are things I can talk about. Exactly. But when you wake up, those are the things that you think about in your head that, that forward your persona into the world. And my ego wants the world to constantly celebrate that for me or constantly this. And in a world where, again, we're all kind of looking for that and like, not everybody's a comedian, not everyone's a filmmaker, not everyone's yeah. a musician, but not everyone's an accountant and not everybody's so many things. Yeah. Um, why I think comedy, like I just, I'll never let it go. Never. It just feels like the one way to communicate with, and music is another universal one. Hey, we're all doing the same thing. Like yeah. we may have some like serious differences, but fundamentally right here and right here, we, we resonate on that yeah, frequency, yeah, yeah. you know, even if it's not the exact same, like, May, yeah, maybe, you know, Bill Burr's not for someone. Yeah. But I bet they have a comedian they love. I bet they of are course. some kind of comedy. Like, even the, we've been watching, my Cody, my roommate, and I have been watching a lot of The Office lately. And, like, Angela, like, you know, she's this hard knows this. Yeah. But, like, the moments where you're like, oh, that's who she is. And that's yeah, what she likes. Personality peek through. You're like, oh, that's beautiful and hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Like, we were talking about uh, camera work. So, that's one thing that's missing from us as, having a cinematographer like you guys can actually get out there and do that yeah. and i mean it, it's one thing that it's like yeah i i'm pretty good at like the visual style and figuring out the shots and you know the the construction of a scene but i'm in front of the camera so yeah, that yeah. kind of gets into it just being like well oh, yeah. if i give it to him is he going to be able to you know pick up what i'm putting down that kind of yeah. thing uh but that sh- that scene in the office where Dwight does the fire drill, you know, and oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the yeah. thing that I've noticed the last time I watched it is like, oh, the camera guy is a character in this yeah. show. Yeah. Yep. And the way the camera's whipping around and panning and like snap zooming in that chaos of the scene is him reacting to it. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was it, one shot in particular where Angela pulls open a drawer and picks up her cat. Yeah. 
And then go, the Oscar's like, his legs are wiggling up through the ceiling. She's like, save sprinkles! And then throws it up there and it smashes down through the other side of the panel and everything. And I don't know, I just, when we were talking about it, just drive it, I was just like, wait, that means she's been keeping a cat in the drawer. What's she doing when she clocks out? Right. Yeah. Like, who's, who's not stopping her and just being like, uh, hold up, you have a cat in a drawer? <laughs> what the fuck? And it's just such a revealing thing about that character. And when you stop and analyze, at face value, it's hilarious, but when you stop and analyze stuff like that, it is so funny. Like, I think yeah. about one scene in particular in uh, The Other Guys with Michael oh, Keaton. I love that fucking movie. It's one of our favorites. When they jump off the cliff and it's just like, there goes my hero. And then the camera Slat. just turning, turning, turning. Watch turning. your mouth. Bam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. Yeah, but you it's, afford it's them for the budget. One, <laughs> one, them off quick. Yeah, one moment in particular. It's after Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg have their you know Dark Knight of the Soul break up his characters. You know, Mark Wahlberg's happy being a traffic cop, and Will Ferrell's like completely off the job, and he's yeah. like, I still need to get this case done. And they go to confront Michael Keaton at his second job working at Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> yeah. And it's just Michael Keaton, and he's in the aisle, and he's got, like, cutting boards. And he goes, see, I like to separate the maple from the oak. He's talking to nobody. Nobody's there. Nobody's there. It is, and you just think about that. You're like, this man is so blissed out being a manager at Bed Bath & Beyond, while his other job, his main job, is being the chief of police, <laughs> or the captain, at yeah. least. And he he's in this moment of zen where he's like, I like to keep my oats separate from the maple. Yeah. Telling it to nobody. No. And then, he, you know, Will Ferrell shows up, and he's like, oh, hey, how's it going? Like, he couldn't be happier. And I'm just like, once you cut it down deeper, and then, like, that character, Michael Keaton in particular, is so funny throughout that movie because he's sitting there, and, like, he'll spill his own personal life into the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Because he has no one else to like talk to. to. Too he's, much like, yeah. Yeah, he's like, yeah, no, you know, I uh, I have two jobs. I work here, and then I work uh, night shift at Bed Bath and Beyond, so I can put my son through NYU, so he can explore his sexuality and become a DJ. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, he's talking to the chief of police too, and then he's like, "Good to see you, Gene." And he's like, "How's the family?" He goes, "Good, good. My son's bisexual." And he's like, "Fantastic!" And just walks out of the room. <laughs> what? It made me think. It makes me think of just like like how like is there stand up and then there's like funny in movies right and how they're very like linked a lot mm-hmm. of times like some of the best movie jokes are written because they're almost presented like stand up jokes yeah and one of my favorite ones I'll never fucking forget this shit is like the one uh, you remember the Dewey Cox uh, walk hard story mm-hmm. the Johnny Cash like parody fucking movie <laughs> there's a scene where like because they're like doing like these moments to like uh, uh like kind of like uh transition like his drug use mm. they're trying to show like the stages of drugs so like the first time like his little like show in his hometown is like first sold out show they're like in the room smoking uh weed and he's just like he busts in like what are you guys doing in here he's like we're we're smoking reefers do we can't you smell it he's just like no i can't because he lost his smell from some other shit then like 20 30 minutes later down the movie and he's like what are you guys doing here it's a different show he's like we're doing cocaine it's the next logical step for you (laughs) like in your rock star ascension he's just like uh, I can't really, you know, I can't afford to get too high. Uh, I got to have sex with my girl later. He's like, it makes sex even better. <laughs> He's just like, well, I don't really want to have a hangover. There's no hangover. Like, mm, I don't really have that much money. It's the cheapest drug there is. <laughs> and it's just like, they're just like enabling. Yeah. yeah. You can't OD on it. Uh-huh. He's it, like, OK, 
okay, just this once. Come on in. <laughs> it's it's the I love that. Like it's the, the line of attitude. Yeah, <laughs> just the ridiculousness of it. And yeah, like how it feels like an after school special, like a don't do drug special. At the same time, he's like incur- he seems like every person that's given us our first drug. Mm-hmm. It was that scene. Yep. Like some girls over here a little bit too coked out. There's two guys over here I don't really trust, but there's this guy that I trust. Right. Who's like, hey man, get out of here. Yeah. That's what they try to do first. Yeah. Like the first time we do a drug, they're like, are you sure, man? You don't be here. Hey man, don't do this, man. Right. And it's like, I just love that shit. It's... You're making all the arguments that I do want to be here. <laughs> and then fucking Jack Black is John Lennon in that movie. He's like, with the B.O.'s, with the B.O.'s. It's just like. <laughs> well, it's, I mean. Him, Paul Rudd, Jason Schwartzman, and somebody else. And then who plays Ringo, the fucking guy? Uh. Yeah, but no, Paul Rudd. He's like, with the Beatles. <laughs> with the Beatles, of course. We like to do LSD. <laughs> it's the combination of make when reality and absurdity finally like overlap. Genius. That's, Arnold that's and Carl just freaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's yeah. like the genius of like Will Ferrell, the genius right. of Dave Chappelle, the genius of you know Richard Pryor, like right. rest in peace. Like all these people, like they have that link to reality, yeah. and they're humans. They're like. Average guys, the yeah. Adam Sandler's, like we uh, laugh at Adam, Adam McKay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Been, I can't remember where. I think it might have been uh, you made it weird, Pete Holmes podcast. Okay, that he explained it that it's like you get you write stupid so smartly. Yeah, like same, same is, with Seth Rogen. Yeah, Seth Rogen exactly. You know? Very simple plots. Yeah. Phantom Express, one and of the best movies ever. Dumbest fucking moments. If it was in reality, you'd just be like, Jesus, dude. Yeah. But you watch it and you're like, this is the end. The scene where it's James Franco and uh, Danny McBride yelling at each other. He's like, oh, come all over the fucking place. Yeah, you know, yeah, that yeah, whole yeah. thing. And it just gets out of control. It's cathartic. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's a it's an absolute release of any sort of, like, uh, what, what is it? Uh, inhibitions. Yeah. Where you're just like, well, a reasonable person. Which I should be. It would never say this. No, but yeah. the character unreasonable, totally yeah. unreasonable. So, so he's gonna say, say "I'm gonna jack off all over your fucking walls." You yeah, know, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. He's that, like, "Are you gonna yell at me on my cat's birthday?" Really? Yeah, really. <laughs> you piece really? of shit. <laughs> and it's like like a cat's birthday's never mattered. <laughs> like so now it matters now in this super serious situation. And it's like that contrast. Like yeah. that's, I, I I made a post a couple uh, months ago, and I was like, I don't think you guys understand. And I and I will fucking die saying this. Being a stand-up comedian is by far the hardest thing to do in the entertainment industry mm-hmm. because you have no help. Mm-hmm. It's you up there. And when we watch a movie, right? Because that's about as long as an actor's on stage, right? Or, or, you know, so we watch a movie. We're like, oh, that scene was really stupid, but it's over with. Next scene, okay? Right. I'll give it another one. But with a joke, it's like, bro, if we don't laugh at your first two jokes, we don't like. Build anticipation for you to oh. be funny later. As like, somebody, a movie you want it to be good. If it starts right. like, kind of bad, you're like, I'll oh, give it a chance, man. I'll give it a yeah. chance. Like, give it till Act Two. Yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's just see. Let's watch episode two or three. Like, right. Let's not judge off one episode. Let's keep watching. Right. Yeah. Let's re- we'll hold our reservations. But within a comedian, bro, you stand on that stage. If you're nervous, we know. Mm-hmm. If you mess up, a, you can't even mess up a word on the way to the joke. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's timing. Yep. If I say, man, so I was sitting in my chair yesterday. But if I was like, but if I started that joke, like, man, I was, um, I was, um. Uh, sitting in my uh, chair yesterday, mm-hmm. I already don't care. Yeah, I already don't care what you're about to say because right. you took so long to tell me the non-important details mm-hmm. that I don't even want to wait for you to tell me the important details. Exactly. And I think of jokes all the time, and I'm like, man, I can't wait. I tell them all the time, I'm like, bro, I'm not a stand-up comedian, but like, this is a funny fucking joke. Mm-hmm. So I have this like premise of like, I don't know how I'd word it really, but like. Uh, I, I was dating a girl at the time and she was working third shift so she'd have to wake up at like fucking like uh, 10 p.m. and like uh-huh. go to work to nine. 
And I would be like, man, there's nothing more emasculating than like being like half naked in your bed while your girl puts on a Carhartt jacket at fucking like midnight <laughs> and kisses you back to sleep and like tucks you in. And I was like, she's, I'm like sitting here dainty as hell and she looks like she's about to go uh, rap battle people in yeah. eight mile, like under the bridge or uh, some shit. It reminds me of uh, the opening scene in the Fargo movie where oh, it's yeah. like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. ah, fuck, fucking can't remember his name. It's going to drive me nuts. Uh, no, oh, no yeah. uh, Francis McDormand's husband. Oh, yeah. He's the first one to wake up and he's out there and he's making breakfast and then he sets it down for her. She's pregnant and then she throws on the big jacket. She's the one who's going out to work. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like that, that scene plays out as like very sweet. And it's like, wow, look at this hardworking guy taking care of his woman. And mm. then she's the hard worker. He's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. just taking care of her because he's the, the house husband, house you know, husband. that exactly. kind of thing. Yeah. I love, I love it those was just jokes. one of those things that, you know, Cohen brothers just took something and flipped it on its ear. I love that. And yeah. It's so funny. It's so funny. It, it's, it's subtly funny. Like, yeah, you're not there's levels be, of funny. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, I mean, Pulp Fiction is a comedy. It is yeah. a flat out comedy. Oh, yeah. But it's so brutal and yeah. so dark in so many parts. But when you think about it, it's like, Fucking Ving Rams was getting fucked in the ass while tequila was playing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. And Bruce Willis. That's fucking funny. Bruce Willis. Goes through all those weapons, starts with a baseball bat, and then escalates and gets to a chainsaw, and then he goes, I'm killing this guy with a katana. Yeah, like, yeah. he had to think about it while yeah. Ving Rams is just getting bopped in the butt. Dude, yeah. like, it's so, just, it's hysterical, but it's yeah. like one of the most traumatizing scenes you could watch in a movie. Oh, yeah, easy, easy. <laughs> you know, the gimp, everything. Well, that's the beauty of comedy. I think it's the most multifaceted thing. There's more way to write comedy than there is to write horror. Or thriller yeah. or drama. I think. I mean, the so fact, many ways, so many levels. The fact that Jordan Peele titled the movie "Nope," yeah. it's so funny to me. Yeah, because literally. like, fucking Kiki Palmer and nope, Daniel Kaluuya, the whole movie yeah. are treating it like you should treat it. Like, yeah, yeah no, uh, I'm going to the house. Like, <laughs> the only time that I'd ever seen that before was with a movie. It was a bad movie. It's called The Thin Man, and it's got uh, James Badge Dale who uh, Iron Man 3, he was the bald guy with the, the flame gotcha. powers. Yeah, gotcha, that guy. Gotcha. He He's in it. And there's this one part because he's investigating. It's like kind of a slender man, this entity that's haunting this town, essentially. And he's investigating. And he goes to this like uh, sewer uh, out uh, outpour, whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. And he walks inside. And he hears a voice that it's like, come inside. And he goes, yeah. No. And he turns back and goes the other way. I'm yeah. like, that's the first time I've ever seen it in a movie. That's mm-hmm. almost like, uh-uh. It's like the fourth, <laughs> like the fourth, the fourth wall. Yeah. yeah. yeah He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah nah. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's Nope so. made like yeah, that the know, theme. You know you were in a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than just being like, well, I heard a sound. Let's go check it out. Yeah, like yeah, Scooby-Doo yeah. shit. You know, nobody does that. If you're a rational yeah. thinking person and you value your life, you are turning around and you are going away. I, I'm, I'm curious what your guys' favorite comedy movie is, if you had to pick one of all time. Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Tropic Thunder? Tropic okay, good. Thunder. That's a really good one. That's a really good one. I think that's one. the shared one with us. Like, And that one gets Okay, you pick one. Pick a different one. I'll, I'll note that it's still Tropic Thunder, but pick your second. Like, yeah. Next uh, one up. Okay, so... Um, I want to I want to do a couple in a like a fashion because like you said comedy different comedy so different right okay cool give me like your like just like ridiculous one and then you're like ooh this was intelligent like highbrow yeah. um, like a highbrow and a lowbrow so highbrow uh, and, and and some people might say it's the lowest of brows the Big Lebowski uh, I love that's the, high, that's highbrow I love it's a, it's a highbrow. oh totally it's yeah. so like. 
when you watch that, you you gotta watch it like three times to yeah. really see why it's so funny. I watched it three times. Yeah, yeah, and it, I get yeah. why people are turned off by it and stuff, but like. Again, it's like this just total loser who gets pulled into this crazy shit. Yeah. And then he gets do like it's again, it's like it's so stupid that's kind of the joke, you know? Yeah. And and that one's great. And like I love John Goodman and Jeff Bridges and all that so much. And to the dude, like, you know, it, it was like harped on in film school that a protagonist needs to be taking action right. and the story needs to be driven by them. You yeah. know, you have to follow them and every decision they make is what drives the story further. In that movie, the dude is just totally powerless yeah. to everyone. Everyone's breaking into his fucking apartment <laughs> yeah. and causing some new shit and yeah. starting more shit and adding to the thickness of the story. And he's just like, come on, man. I just want to bowl and smoke weed. Like what the fuck? <laughs> like, why'd you piss on my rug? <laughs> no, no, seriously. Oh, okay, that's a good one. Man, man, that's a really good one. And then my low brow is uh dodgeball. I watched dodgeball when <laughs> I was great. when I was eight and I was like, I think that's the big reason I love comedy is because I watched Dodgeball at that age ben probably Stiller, man. He's 50 fucking... times. What's that, yeah. oh. what's that Vince Vaughn line? Um, well, the one that I always say? Oh, oh yeah, he goes, um, he's like, I found that if you have a goal, that you might not reach it. But if you don't have one, then you're never disappointed. Yeah. And I got to tell you, it feels phenomenal. And then, and then Christine Taylor's like, ah, yeah, I, I guess that, that makes sense sad in a really thing. sad way. Yeah. Sad I fucking love that. I, I would say, I don't really know. I would say, I would say this highbrow because I think Ricky Gervais is a little bit more intelligent than sure. the average. So uh, The Invention of Lying. Oh, what a movie. Oh, yeah. Fucking love that movie mm-hmm. because it's so deep. But like. <laughs> Beardless Louis C.K. is so funny. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, got yeah. more hair on top than he has down here. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. And it's. And, and like one of my uh, favorite parts of that is like when um, he like accidentally gets like can uh, they he he convinces them that he's God accidentally mm-hmm. by just like having like things that aren't truths yeah like yeah, so yeah. It's, so it goes from like this really sad scene of his mom dying right and he's like you're gonna they're gonna live and you're gonna dance and there's gonna be everyone you've ever known is gonna be in this place and it's heaven and they've mm-hmm. never talked about heaven before so uh um fucking what's his name uh, from uh, the lead uh, actor in Ozark. Oh, Jason, Jason Bateman. Bateman yeah. He's like the doctor who's like a dickhead. In the beginning, he's like, yeah, no, she's probably going to die. Because like, no one lies. So he's like, yeah, she's probably going to die. Uh, say your goodbyes. Um, um, oh, that's lunch. And he wants Because he's just like a fucking right. dickhead. And then in the same moment, he's, he's like, uh, uh, Ricky Gervais is like, mom, you're gonna, it's going to be okay. And he's just like, wait. Because like, no one lies. Uh-huh. Like, if this is true, he's like, right. tell us more. And then it turns into him like having pizza box Ten Commandments. Like he wrote these commandments yeah. pizza And he's just like, no one do any bad things. He's like, but what if I do one bad thing? I shouldn't go to hell just for doing one bad thing. He's like, okay, three bad things. He's like, okay, but what if I do three bad things that like, what if, okay, but what bad things send you to hell? What if you kill someone? Okay, then only one bad thing. That's your one thing you can kill. He's like, but what if I kill someone who's trying to hurt me? <laughs> and then they just start talking about all the things as a society that we probably talked about during like right. the, like the, the constitution being made and shit like that and it's just so funny because it's just like man like this is such a simple concept right what if no one lied right it's playing in the what if you know yeah. and that is so fun like that's what play is it's beautiful it's going like okay I acknowledge that this isn't real but I'm gonna like treat it with the seriousness of reality but the like joy and interest of a child like yeah. you know I'm gonna like really go like what's like weird about this in a way that like interests me or makes yes. me laugh or whatever. Yes. And then you go like, but I'm also an adult. So I'm going to say like, there's, this is unreasonable, but I kind of like the unreasonableness yeah. of it. And, you and know, it's just like, there's sometimes like, I, I don't think that movie would have worked with anyone else, but Ricky Gervais. Totally. Cause he's already such a dry, like, 
Yeah. Yeah. And like the way he looks like uh, Julia Roberts in the beginning, she's like, I would never date you. Uh, we would be terrible <laughs> for reproduction. Like our kids would have snub noses. And he's just like, all right, then. Nope, he's like, he like accepts it. Because yeah. <laughs> he's, like, he's just like used to just being shit on. Like he shits on his own appearance all the time. And that's, that's such a funnier, deeper level to it is that, you know, just because people are telling the truth. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt and all yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And so for that scene in particular where yeah. he just has to swallow it, he's basically having to lie to himself that he's okay with it. Yeah. You know, so it, if they're yeah. speaking the truth outwardly, just blunt, a lot of people just have to lie to themselves internally. Yep. So that was already the lie. And then yeah. him really, you know, inventing the lying. Yeah. Like it, it's a catharsis for people a lot. It's a lot of a catharsis. No, hundred you know? percent. Especially for his character. Yeah. I mean, because it's giving him power. It's taking. Him oh back, yeah, of course. You know all that. And it's like a drama. Yeah. It's like a drama. It's like there's death. There's despair. There's the there's Those... his roommate who's or not his roommate, but his uh, his neighbor who like every time they meet in the elevator, he's like probably gonna be the day I kill myself. Jonah Hill. Yeah. It's like yeah. I'm probably it's probably gonna be yeah. the day I kill myself today. Yeah. And he's just like, oh really? Um, sorry, man. You, you shouldn't do that. Yeah, no, I've thought about it a lot. I'm pretty much like got my mind yeah. made up. Like it's like yeah, exactly it's like, it's like how, how do you convince it. someone who's telling you the truth and like yeah. they're so like steadfast on it. He's there every day. Yeah, yeah literally. And, and, and then deep down, he just wants him to like ask him to hang out. Exactly. So then once he realizes that, like, because because you know Ricky Gervais also can't lie at that point. He doesn't. Yeah. He also doesn't know until he goes yeah. to the bank and he figures out he can lie about money and stuff. So then like when he figures out he can lie, he's like. Oh wait, I can use lies to make other people feel better. And I'm like, damn, what if that's what we do when someone's depressed? We just say, hey, it's gonna be better. Mm-hmm. You don't fucking know that. This no, guy, there's no fucking probably way. not gonna get better. You don't <laughs> fucking know. But in that moment, he lies, and then Jonah Hill's like, wait, really? It is gonna get better? Oh wow, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, and wow. it's like he knows like the truth now that he didn't know before, and yes. it's like, oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah. But that's like my highbrow, my lowbrow. Um, really anything like Adam Sandler there is like he, I do consider him an intelligent like writer I don't consider him like lowbrow like but it's just like low hanging fruit sometimes his jokes that he makes but uh, The Wedding Singer yeah. fucking uh, classic he's movie. like I have the microphone so you will listen to every fucking word I have to say yeah. just, I just love Adam Sandler's just like performance of mm-hmm. that character like the depressed wedding singer it's like oh it's such a beautiful concept like yeah. you have to sing for people that are getting married you just got fucking stood up at the altar like right. Oh, I love that shit. And, yeah. then and then there's the moment where like Billy Idol's like in the plane. He's just like, you don't talk to Billy Idol that way. It's just like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? And I got to say, that's probably one of the highest brow Adam Sandler movies. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That one's actually like, yeah. it's it's one of the ones that I think about when I'm like, no, no, no. This is like a movie that stands up with other movies. Yeah. Like, it's not just like, okay, what's your favorite Adam Sandler movie? Like, no, I would yeah. I wouldn't be embarrassed to put that in my top like 15 movies, period. It's a solid like, play. It's a really good fucking it's a, movie. And, it's and the good, soundtrack good is, watch, you know, yeah, Adam Sandler knows fucking crazy. music, bro. Yeah, he's a fucking music head. He plays like three instruments. His that's last stand up was him yeah. doing music, yeah. like playing songs and shit. Like that's why bro. uncut gems. People were like blown away. Yeah, yeah I like, wasn't. Yeah, to dude, be honest. he is an actor. He knows how to act. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Punch drunk love was like. Oh yeah, fucking a phenomenal performance. I mean, granted, he's. Flipping out the whole movie. Yeah, bro. Fifty First Dates is a great performance. Fifty First Dates. Exactly. He was. He. It was like the one of the first times that he was like the Ryan Gosling in a film. Yeah. yeah. Like in Wedding Singer, he kind of is, but he kind of not. He's yeah. like a very sloppy Wedding Singer. He's broke. The girl is much more of a ke- more of a catch than he is mm-hmm. throughout that entire movie until like the end when he writes her that song or whatever. Yes. But like in the in the movie Fifty First Dates, like no, he's the guy who's got the good job, who's got the boat, who's traveling, and 
He meets this girl who obviously has flaws because she doesn't fucking remember anything. Yeah. He has to be this character we've never seen him be. Like, I, I love Adam Sandler, man. Like, he's probably one of my favorite, like, oh, yeah, writer, yeah. producer, actor, like, trio, like, yeah. three-in-one yeah. guy. Like, and he's probably one of my he's, favorites. He's one of those guys that, you know, lately, it's I've, I've been turned off by his movies, but also I'm not the audience. He's got that Netflix. I think a lot of people the think Netflix, Netflix contracts where it's like, oh, give us five movies over yeah. the next three years. And it's like, but I mean, like getting, he's getting the bread, man. We I can't were, blame him. We were I can't watching blame him, uh, Ridiculous Six. Oh my god! What a fucking movie! <laughs> but also, you get the baseball scene with John Turturro inventing baseball. Yeah, literally. You literally. know, Vanilla Ice and Snoop Dogg. You get uh, then oh, also, <laughs> I, and I I hate to say it because we were we were kind of hate watching it. We were we were really hate watching it, trying to just crap on this movie. It was that part where uh, they were trying to run a distraction, and Taylor Lautner is just playing this fucking total buffoon you know inbred dummy they they have him like sentenced to be hanged but his neck is too thick for the rope that you know he can't he doesn't break it and then he starts swinging and you know swinging around and everything and there's just one shot of him with the rope around his neck and he's doing like a running man thing (laughs) between the fucking gallows and i just burst out laughing you know zoolander 2 well, that was another one oh for God. me i can't it, look left I can't <laughs> that's look just left. so funny but it was the part in particular where he's like uh it, they're referencing the the uh scene from the first movie where it's him and the other models doing the george michael song oh yeah but he's driving with his son to go get uh, gelato <laughs> and he's driving and he's just whipping around and he's like you know ciao you know and then he pulls out a selfie stick starts taking like 80 pictures in less than a second and then realizes there's a bus that they're heading right towards he jerks the wheel and then the car flips <laughs> so violently and rolls and bounces for like a minute and a half straight just rolls and bounces and I I pull that scene up to just make myself smile sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it is yeah, one of those yeah, scenes yeah, that I'm like, whole rest of this movie is dumb as shit, but this made it so worth it for me. <laughs> what about you, Juan? Uh, for for uh, I honestly like TV shows better than movies because I feel like TV shows are just I, easier to be funny because over like the course of several right. episodes, I, I can totally understand you learn that. the character you know, and you kind of know what to expect from and them, you get so to see it grow it. too. Yeah, New Girl in particular for me, that's probably my favorite oh, sitcom. Yeah. You yeah, know? and season one's a little tough. Same with yeah. The Office. The Office season one is really tough. They didn't know who they were it's yet. It's so tough. But then as you see it, and then the actors get more involved in the writing process because mm-hmm. they are playing the characters, and you're like, you know what would be funny for Nick to do? You know what would be funny for Schmidt to do? You know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, I, but, I totally get where you're coming movies, from. But for movies, I'd probably say um, Old Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, Brothers. It's like a George Clooney in it. It's about these prisoners yes. that escape uh, prison, and it's like yes. 1800s. Kind of a musical as well. Yeah. And it's just funny because it's, it's kind of slapstick. It is the Odyssey. It's the Odyssey. It's I was going to say, it's not the Odyssey. Yeah, yeah, it's the Odyssey. The Odyssey. Yeah, the that's what it is. Say yeah. it's not. Uh, John Travolta has an eye patch and he's a psycho. No, it yeah. is. It's, it's basically good that. Yeah. There are sirens. Yeah, there are yeah. sirens. Yeah, it, it is literally the Odyssey. Isn't, isn't Homer credited? I think so. As a writer? Yeah. 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 Facetious. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I guess that's kind of like my highbrow and then lowbrow would probably be, um, uh, what's the movie? Airplane? Ah. That like slapstick oh, kind of wow. humor where it's like yeah. everything so literally. Right. That is funny to me. Sometimes when it's just Shirley, so you can't be serious. Like, bro. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Yeah. 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 You know? yeah everybody's losing like, their shit. And then... like the pilot and he's like, wait, where do I know you from? And he's literally wearing like his, his jersey. It's yeah. Like, like what a call out. Like, yeah. And then, uh, like, you know, you got people flipping out in the aisle of the plane and everything, and then just some random lady's tits just jump in yeah. front of the screen and yeah, jump like out. Yeah, like, what? Like, what? Y'all just, <laughs> just go, <scared>. okay. 
It's like or, or, or when like um the, the the captain or the the air air control uh, guy is like so stressed out. He's like, oh, it looks like a, 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 I uh, I picked a bad day to quit smoking, and then they escalate. And it's like, oh, it looks like a, I bit a uh, I picked a bad day to to quit amphetamines, and it just keeps going up and up. It's like, oh damn, it looks like a bit I bet a quick I, I I picked a bad day to uh, quit cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> it just goes up like that. Um, but uh, for TV shows, I love like the slapstick stuff. Like I love like. Malcolm in the Middle, yes. Seinfeld, yeah. Everybody Hates Chris, The Fresh Prince, obviously. Like, I don't know how to describe what it is that I like that makes it so funny right. to me, mm-hmm. but it's just it's just there and it does it so naturally. And like, yeah. when you see the characters slip on a rug and you just know that the, it, only they could have done it because you know that their character, like they just set it up in a way because yeah. you know them. Scrubs it's kind of harder to do one. that in a movie, yeah. you know? Well, it, yeah, it's, it's the time constraint to it, too. And I mean, like... Uh, I, I have a hard time with, like, big studio-produced comedy movies. Yeah. You know, because they're trying too hard a lot of the times. Yeah. You know, so it's like, you know, we don't have a, a Blumhouse, like, for horrors, where it's like, well, let's do micro-budget comedies. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. just like, yeah. let's do Dirty Grandpa. Let's get De Niro and Zac Efron, and he's just crass the whole movie, you know. Uh, funny, but also I didn't really feel anything like that. And then Judd Apatow movies... I always feel a half hour too long. They spend a lot of time in the serious beat of the movie all the way through to the, the ending. And I, it's not bad, but also I'm like a tight 90 for a comedy. Awesome. I mean, one of my uh, favorites, uh, well, we said Tropic Thunder. So I guess, um, let me think of like, I don't know if that's highbrow or lowbrow. <laughs> it's like right, like right in the middle. Right in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the only thing that makes it right in the middle is Tom Cruise doing those dance moves. Yeah. <laughs> yes. With the fat suit. Yes. <laughs> like, that didn't need to be there. You know, <laughs> yeah, he's got the, the prosthetic hands on and yeah. everything. I didn't know it was Tom Cruise until the credits rolled. Yeah. You know, I was yeah. like, get the fuck out of here. Tom Cruise? Ever, yeah. ever. You know, and I think it's because he takes himself so seriously as an actor. And then Ben Stiller approached him with that, being like, I know you. Would you like to do this? And he's like, dude, I know an exact producer I would love to be tearing to shreds. And that's who he was basically playing, was this producer that oh. fucked him over at some oh, point. Wow. And he was just like, I'm being this guy in this movie, and I'm going to do it to 11, yeah. you know? <laughs> Diet Coke! <laughs> <laughs> I will fuck you up. <laughs> I'd love to see what producer that was, and if they have like a picture of them in real life. Yeah, the, I, if it. I go on IMDb trivia, I'm sure the name is in there. But yeah, he he definitely said that he was he was playing somebody that he had personal beef with. So that's why the performance came out so strong because <laughs> he was like, "I'm going yeah. to demolish this guy." <laughs> uh, so yeah, Tropic Thunder. Um, man, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. I love that oh, fucking yeah, movie. The first one, yeah. And the third one, Face the Music, I thought was phenomenal. It was the first movie that I saw in a theater after the pandemic. And I was like, this was the best movie to see right now. It's feel good. It's funny. It te- it's doing a, a reboot sequel properly in the yeah. sense that it's continuing Bill and Ted's journey and also introduces their daughters. And they go basically on an excellent adventure where they yeah. go back through history and collect all these musicians to make the song that they're prophesized to make in the first one. But Bill and Ted's journey is a totally separate departure and deeper and 
addresses their problems as characters. They overcome and it all comes together and they play the song at the end. It's so good. But it started with that first one where honestly, I can't see the name Beethoven without saying Beethoven. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so crates. <laughs> I saw a plane ride back from England. Yeah. It was, like the, it was so good that I watched that movie. It was like the flight was like flew by. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's so awesome. Good. It was so good. It's so good. But uh, yeah, that that one really like kind of kicked it off for me. I mean, uh, I God, I can't go without saying like Napoleon Dynamite. You know, yeah, there's no way I can like I'm gonna Anchorman. All these. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay, actually, here's my lowbrow one. Old school. <laughs> I love old school so much. And I mean, sorry, trigger warning. It's just one of the funniest jokes. It's right at the beginning where Luke Wilson gets in this cab and he's just like, uh, hey, uh, the seatbelt doesn't seem to be a work. And he just goes, don't be a faggot. Okay. <laughs> you know, like you're in the back seat. You're going to be fine. <laughs> you know, he just <laughs> out the gate. This just shoots him in the face. Well, I've seen this. I got to check it Like out. those moments where like you definitely couldn't do it or like, you know, it's just like what a, but it's when he gets to the airport and he's going down the escalator <laughs> and the dad just hits his kid so slapping hard and Luke Wilson's like he's slapping him like five or that's six it. times because he's just slapping the back of this kid's head he's like you're stupid Luke Wilson's just like what the hell and then yeah he gets in the cab and he's just like don't be a faggot you're in the back seat you'll be fine and then there are so many bits I mean Will Ferrell I think that's really where he took off because he started with SNL then he got Elf and people were like well he's a family character and he was really worried about taking old school you know like he was so worried because he's like i don't think people are gonna show no old school came first he was scared to take elf because he was brand him as like the family comedy yes guy. yeah he, and he knew he was more risque than that. yeah he, he was like frat guy comedy stuff like that and so he was scared of taking elf because he thought people wouldn't show up and it blew up to be like the number one movie that year uh came out the same year as old school but then like you get vince vaughn uh he's playing this miserable husband with kids who's trying to capture his youth. He, he doesn't, he just can't convey enough what Luke Wilson has by buying this frat house. You know, he's like, dude, you don't understand. We're going to have all these people in here. All these ladies It's going to be amazing. You get to live that fantasy that I have. I don't, I can't, I, I can get close to the fire, but I can't touch it. You know, I have a family I have to worry about. Uh, but what is it? Uh, Oh, like uh, let's throw on the song, the thong song, and tear this bitch apart. You know, <laughs> I'm, oh, okay. I just thought of a movie that's like very much actually, that same lane, like that uh, Owen Wilson uh, uh, Hall Pass. Uh-huh. Ah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's so funny one. the scene where they like the old guys are like, oh, finally got a Hall Pass. Let's go get some chicks. <laughs> he's just like, uh, and they're like, uh, oh, he's like, oh yeah, we're gonna they're at, they're at like some restaurant or whatever. And he's like, oh, yeah, we're going to go where all the bitches are at. He's like, yeah. And then they're, as they're walking out, I was like, where are you guys going? Like, Chili's. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> that scene. I, I, love, I love them being stoned on the golf course. <laughs> Such a yeah. good scene. They're trying to they're like, on the golf cart. He's like, like running faster. Than yeah, the dude, one dude's doing sand, uh, uh, snow angels in the bunker and the what the golf pro i think it was rolls up and he's like hey get your friend out of there he's like he's not hurting anybody he's just uh you know he's playing through and he goes not him him and then he's got this buddy in the lake and he's just lost and he's like hey what are you doing uh well yeah this was a sound drop that we have from old school that we just find it so funny it's the scene where they're in the kitchen 
And Will Ferrell's like, yeah, no, no, this all sounds great. I'll do this party, but I have to check in with uh, whatever Veronica, whoever he's uh, with, his fiance. And then they just stop and they look at him and he just goes, I'm messing with you guys. And the baby starts crying. He's like, you see that? You made the baby cry. You know, you're making the baby cry. (laughs) I'm messing with you guys. Yeah, old school. I, I would say, yeah, Tropic Thunder and old school. That would be me. So good. And the thing that's funny about comedies, too, and I, I think that's something that for us, so at Colorado Film School, every year they rent out uh, Auditorium 1 at Harkins Theater. It's one of the bigger theaters we have around this area. And they show, like, the student films that they felt were the best of that year. And we had our pre-screening at that uh, restaurant theater. And wall-to-wall laughs. I thought it was a shoe in to get into that. But because it didn't look good, because it was just me, I was not, uh, you know, uh, you know, directing or cinematography major. I was writer producer because I wanted to be a producer so I could control my product projects. I should have gone director, you know, because that's much more geared to what we want to do. Uh, but I learned a lot through the producing side, of course. But uh, yeah, it was just really rough. It's really rough to watch you know like there's smudges on the lenses and shit like that you know it's rough but the material carries through past that that i started thinking about like the first season of it's always sunny in philadelphia like you have the key lighting is out of control in that fucking season where it's like you can just see it blasting against a wall in the background and stuff like that the camera was like not hd it was it was like they used like a rough camcorder uh and then also trailer park boys yeah, that first season is really rough to watch, but it's, but it's so, so funny. All yeah. the material is so funny that it yeah. carries past that. That you know, when mine didn't make it to the show, it's because I it was very clear that on the technical side, I, it wasn't there, but on the writing side, it was. So we had Where that proven. Are you still talking about Orange Crush? Orange Crush. Let me let me see what it's called. I want to be the fucking guy who had to say that. No, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Looks like we are. <laughs> we are running the end. We are nearing the end of our podcast. That's right, that's yes. Right. Well, hey, we have a send off from that, which is. I gotta go. Yep. And then we'll play off. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. Zen. Yeah, we just found some like stock beats to throw on for the intro and the outro, and then I added the sound drops into them. But, yeah, guys, dude, every fucking time you're in town, hit us up. We would love to have you back on. These are always great shows. We always run two and a half hours, you know. Or, I mean, we've done two episodes. Both of them are just this long. But still, and it feels like we pick up where we left off. Like you said, it didn't feel like a year. It didn't feel like a year. And to see how far you guys have gone in that year, see our stuff coming to light in the year. I mean, I'm stoked for all of us, really, you know. Um, New short film coming out. What's it called? Oh, uh, so so that short film is actually not even in like post production, really. Like right now. Like, oh, okay. We have all the footage. Like we've kind of edited okay. a little bit, but well, really, our our, yeah. our next film coming out is a superhero film. Okay. That's a original. We were like we were talking. Hell about yeah, we we original. made one. We made one here. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Like, uh, so we've been working on that film since 2018. Uh, the birth of the business, really. It was our most ambitious project to date. That we uh, 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 second to the um the vampire film that we went to England to shoot, but that film, the superhero film Mob Squad, will be out. Hopefully this year we're you know we're pretty confident that'll be out this year, um, and then I got my albums coming out. Um, 
probably this summer. Okay. Shit, Juan, you tell them about your clothing line. Yeah, uh, man, I absolutely want to hear about go, this. Man. Like, everything. Promote everything, man. I mean, yes. we love it. The young creatives, guys, you guys are phenomenal. Love I am it. dropping a clothing line uh, pretty soon, probably next week when we get back. Uh, I have four new t-shirts uh, in the collection, and I'm always doing jackets. I customize jackets. Mm. Uh, Outsiders Return is the... Uh, brand, if you want to look it up on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Outsiders Return? Outsiders, yep. Uh-huh. Uh, t-shirts range from 35 to 40 bucks, but the, the designs Still. are really cool. You should check them out. We're big, cool t-shirts, guys. We will definitely be yeah, I take Yeah, <laughs> I take pride in just making something that you could slap on. It could go with like, any outfit. Yes. You know, essentials kind of Hell thing. Hell yes, love that. And then, yeah, we're always working on new uh, new stuff. Riley's got his album coming out, Bittersweet. Uh, we're, mm-hmm. we're in the process of filming his music video, which is uh, him uh, falling in love with the sex doll yeah, and yeah. Uh, walking around downtown drunk, drunkly stumbling Fucking for his love. Ready, That's awesome. It's, it's, it's really fun. It's really fun. I can't wait for that one to come out. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, go ahead and you follow. Know what I might do? I might bring it to the fucking improv show. Can I do a scene where I just have it sit there with me while I watch the improv show? Hardcore DMT. When you do DMT, you see that. That's a, that's the outro. <laughs> we always we always run past Joe Rogan on this, but I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. I think we could swing that because I mean we're, we're the last show of the night, you know. Okay, so cool. yeah, yeah. So we cameras up, so. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah I, yeah, I could like literally just like have it for like a like a uh, uh, like ten seconds and then like literally just like put it away somewhere. Fuck yeah! <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! Like just super distracting. I love yeah, that. I love that. that'd be cool. No, that that would be cool. And I mean, to help you guys out, that'd be awesome. Like, yeah, come on. no, I'm, let's man, do it. Let's it. do and it. I, and I get you get, get you guys in the video too because it'd yeah. be like a scene where like, I film. You know, like our perspective looking at you guys. So that would be fucking cool too, you know? That would be a good shout out. Yeah. 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 And, it's a, and it's a PG sex doll. She, she's got no nipples. I say sex doll just so like you can picture it more, but it's like, it's, I couldn't really use a sex doll because I want to run advertisements. Yeah. And I can't like, it's, have the titties or like the mouth. Right, right, It's right. like if there was an emoji for a sex doll, it would be that. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, dude, that's that's awesome. I love it. Uh, hell yeah! Thanks again for coming, so on, nine? guys. Yes. yes. Okay, shoot, we're probably perfect. Is it close? Is it the area or? It's in Denver, so it's probably closer to where you guys are staying. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you're just gonna drop us off, and then we'll fucking, you know, if you're ready, you probably get some food in our head. Oh, is there food there? Uh, no, but we there's the bar Badgers next door, insomnia cookies and voodoo donuts, and then I mean it's it's is it like a bar crawl area? Yeah, it's Broadway, South Broadway, so it's all bar crawl. We can just film the stuff there, so we can just probably just go there. Yeah, and that's where we can. Hell yeah, happen there. Oh yeah, there you go. Let's do that. I just want to go clubbing or barring or whatever. Boom, 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 solid. Hell yeah. Are you guys gonna be going out after the show too? What are you guys gonna do? I can't really stay too late because I got my flight early in the morning. But where are you going? Uh, Florida. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. You guys both are? Miami. Yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. He's, he's going a day later. It was a whole snafu. <laughs> yeah, Riley, Riley's flying yeah. back to Iowa a day later after me. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, same yeah, thing. days before him, too. Yeah, no, this is the episode that we're dropping while we're gone. So we have nice. a bank. Nice. Vacay yeah, episode. Exactly. Yeah, we don't have to Love worry it. about missing a week, and I can't believe we got you guys on in this tight window frame. I mean, fucking yeah, hell yeah. yeah so stoked. Thank the you again. Stars alive for us. Mm-hmm. Thank you for coming on, guys. Always. That's the Young Creatives, everybody. You guys, go ahead and take it sleazy, Mayor McCheesy. Love you guys. Hardcore DMT. When you do DMT, you see that. Young Creatives for life! Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.